What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey episode number 93 presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and the New Jersey Devils are 4-1-1 one, and one in their last six games. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller. And the Chicago Blackhawks are 2-0 undefeated without Patrick Kane. Frank, technical difficulties? I'm so irritated right now. Let it all out there, pal. Tell the people that were waiting in the YouTube. You know, I saw that there were some people waiting in the YouTube for us. Tell them what happened. Tell them why. Technology has yeah. everybody by the balls. Oh, yeah. Oh, we don't yeah. own technology. Technology owns us. Yep. I'm sitting here a half hour before the show waiting. Everything's fine. Crisp. VP gets in. I see him pop in. We're ready to go. Nothing works. Camera doesn't connect to StreamYard. My mic doesn't connect. I try exiting the browser. Loading up a new browser. Maybe this will work. Nope. Same thing. It tells me the nerve that I got to restart my computer. I didn't want to, but that was the only thing I had to do. Restarted the computer. We're here now. I'm just irritated. You're irritated. You're finally seeing your favorite team win some games. Skylar said you had me so worried. We're here. We're here. We got plenty of shit to talk about, Frank. We got hockey. We got TV shows. We got the college football national championship. Sup, Skokes, if that's what you want to call it. Um, Skyler says, was straight up panicking. You know, I kind of was too. We were, what, 11 <laughs> minutes late? Now I can't use the real clock to see how long we've been going on the show. I got to use the little stream like yard clock. 15 that we minutes got. late. Yeah, I mean, you it know, happens. I, dude, I'll tell a real quick story. I had a guest one time. I can't remember who it was. It was for Crosstown Crosstalk. I had a guest lined up, and I don't like to keep guests waiting. Whether it's John Bucci-Gross or Liam Hendricks or a fellow fan-sided writer. I treat them all equally. Nobody's better than anybody. So I treat them all equally, especially when it comes to being a guest on my show, giving up their time. My shit just randomly stops working right before the shit's about to start. <laughs> 159. 159. It just decides to poop out. I text the person. I say, technical difficulties? Give me five minutes. And then, you know, after five minutes, you know, goes by, it's like, all right, are they going to eventually say they can't do it anymore? Then you're going to have to come up with a show in a, you know, a short span without them. It's tough. It's tough. Luckily, today we don't have a guest next week. Frank, you better be on your damn game because we have the second biggest guest in the history of Bar Down Talking Hockey. Maybe the first biggest guest in the history of Bar Down Talking Hockey coming next week. But I'm not announcing it to the world yet, so you're just going to have to make sure you follow at Vinny Parisi on Twitter.com or add me. I have Facebook. If you are a personal friend of mine, I will announce it on Facebook as well for the Skylers of the world and the Skokeses of the world. But, Frank, I'm very excited about it. I know you know exactly what the plan is, but I'm waiting until it's 
a little bit closer to announce it, add a little bit of intrigue by hinting at it right now. And I will say this, it is somebody that relates to hockey, and we are going to talk about hockey in period number one. Welcome to period one, Frank. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on. Go play. It is all-star game season. We are officially at the halfway mark of the National Hockey League season right now. The NHL is kind of like the MLB and the NBA where they call the all-star game the halfway point, but it's not. Right now is the halfway point. The New Jersey Devils just played their 41st game of the season last night against the Carolina Hurricanes. I'm pretty sure the Blackhawks are 41 games in now. I'm throwing this expo marker all over the place. Um I think a couple teams are short of 41. There was one that was 39. I can't remember who it was. And then there were a couple at like 43. But the league as a whole is at the halfway point today based on the number of days from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. Regular season, of course. There's an extra two months of extra hockey that we call the Stanley Cup playoffs after that. So the season till the end of June isn't halfway over. But. You know, the regular season is halfway over as of today. I'm very excited about it. That means the All-Star game is coming. Frank, are you excited for the 2023 National Hockey League All-Star game that will take place in beautiful Sunrise, Florida? Yeah, you know, I'm always excited for the All-Star game. I do wish they would go back to the old format where you would draft and then you'd have the skills comp on Saturday and then Sunday you'd play the All-Star game. And, I mean, you could still do that with the three-on-three tournament format. You could have a captain of the Pacific Metro, Atlantic, and the uh, Central Division, and you could still just do a draft that way, except you have four teams instead of two. Um, But that being said, I do not think it's going to be better than last year's All-Star game, the whole weekend as a whole, because I really enjoyed the dedicated comps they had for the skills competition based on the location they were in, in Vegas with the – 21 and 22 or whatever it was. And then the Bellagio fountain shootout. That was really cool. And then this year they're in South Florida. So I don't think there's going to be anything out of the ordinary um, in terms of the comps. As far as I know, I mean, maybe they'll throw some like palm trees out there on the ice or something like the NHL 23 video game cover. But uh, you know, I'm excited for it. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch the whole weekend, and I'm going to love every second of it. I just don't think it's going to live up to last year's hype for me personally. And the person representing your favorite team is Seth Jones. They omitted Patrick Kane. It makes me wonder if the Blackhawks asked them to do that. That is possible. That has happened throughout the years. What do you make of Seth Jones making it as their all-star, and what do you make of it not being Patrick Kane? It's a little weird to me. Seth Jones, I mean, it's either his fifth or fourth time. I have no idea. I think think it's his fifth. I think it's his fifth time. Was it four with Columbus? Yep. Yeah. So this is the first time with his Hawks. So I'm pretty sure, yeah, fifth time um, being an all-star. A little weird to me, though, given the year he's had. I mean, he hasn't had an exceptional year by any means. And I'm a little surprised it wasn't Kane if he wasn't admitted. But – I, I, yeah, it's just, it, to me, it's very shocking, right? You look at Kane's numbers, he's deserving to be there. And if not Patrick Kane, I still don't think Jones would be my second choice. What about somebody like Max Domi, who leads the team in points, who's been playing phenomenal lately? Um, I would have, I would have been fine with Max Domi making it. Cause to me, when you have a guy like Seth Jones make the all star game, he's not going to do anything that really is pretty or fancy. 
in these competitions around the ice as somebody like Patrick Hainwood or even Max Domi. Max Domi is a very goofy guy, great personality. He could be out there to add that spark that you want to see in an all-star game. So I'm a little surprised that Max Domi didn't get it, if not Patrick Kane. Um, so yeah, Seth Jones really surprised me there. And uh, I don't know if I necessarily agree with the decision. My issue, they, they take one player from each team. If they didn't do that, no one from the Chicago Blackhawks would be going. Mm-hmm. Right, like they're five players. That's how it should be. If you don't deserve to be an all star, this isn't preschool. I yeah. don't think everybody should. I don't think every team deserves to have an all star. I, I agree. And but the, they want every team to watch. They want every team's fan base to watch, especially. I'm watching regardless. Yeah, you're a diehard. There are people who will watch because there's a Blackhawk involved, and you know that that's the league's logic. I I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm with you. You don't deserve to be there. You don't go. The Blackhawks would have nobody going this year. The Coyotes probably would have nobody going this year. There, And that's not the same for every bad team. The Sharks stink. Eric Carlson's going. No matter what, he might win the Norris Trophy. Yeah, I don't care where they are. It's not about where you are in the standings. It's whether or not you deserve to be an all-star. And the Dallas Stars, the Winnipeg Jets, the Minnesota Wild, those are all teams that are going to have omitted all-stars because Seth Jones made it because they had to take one from each team. Not a fan of it, but it is the way the NHL works, and Seth Jones will be going to the All-Star game. One person who does deserve to be going to the NHL All-Star game is the man we call on this podcast, Lil Jizzy. Jack Hughes will be representing the New Jersey Devils in the Metropolitan Division. What do you make of that? Of course, I'm bringing it up. Well, of course. I mean, this is what an All-Star looks like. He's been doing fantastic this year. And actually, the game that I mentioned about to you last week, if you were nervous about the Hurricanes, they won 5-3, to three, the Devils. Jack Hughes didn't contribute at all on the score sheet, which just show, goes to show you when he does, it even increases their chances of winning that much more. And he's a very – he's got that personality, like he did the magician, the trick last year, and the, the skills competition that you want to see in an all-star game. So I think he's not only fits – the criteria in terms of skill, but he fits the term uh, criteria in terms of like entertainment as well. So I think he is the perfect, perfect all-star to be chosen from the New Jersey devils. He's going to be exciting to watch. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to see him in action to be honest with you. They've been fantastic. Yeah. I think when the devils are sending an all-star Jack Hughes is the likely candidate every single year. I, I think he sure will get a couple, right? He's already got one. He might get voted in this year. I haven't seen if they release like a updated standings yet. That'll actually probably come later this week. Um, you know, I think Jesper Brad will be in the mix here and there if he signs long term. Dougie Hamilton might get one, but Jack Hughes is just the guy for the New Jersey Devils. He's the face of their franchise. Frank, do you have the All Star Game rosters in front of you right now? I do, but before you go to that, I just want to say, like, we've talked to countless times and times on end on this show how Jack Hughes is that 100-point guy. He's got that ceiling about 100 points, and he's right kind of on pace for mid-90s. I don't know if we'll get to 100 this year, but I do think he's capable of getting to 100. But um, I just wanted to point that out. Like, we're, we're spot on in terms of how we feel about him and his ceiling. Yeah, I honestly, I have even higher hopes for his ceiling now. So I don't know if he he's that type of player that could get like 115 though or like 110. I, I see I don't see that. I see, think he's like right on pace for his ceiling at like 98 to 100 maybe, 95 somewhere in that range. I don't know if he could do the the extra step. For me, he's got 100 points in his last 82 games played. 
And that's a lot for a 20 slash 21 year old. So like there's room for improvement. Like when he's 26, 27, I do believe 110, 115 is a realistic possibility just because of the way he plays. And he needs to stay healthy, obviously. He'll, he's only going to get bigger and stronger as the years go on, too. So, you know, if if especially if the guys around him start playing even better, too, and he's not playing with Eric Halla for the, a majority of his career like he is so far this year, I, I do yeah. think he could start really pushing those Makes top numbers, point. those top numbers in the NHL. Like, he's 20 and 21 and getting 100. Like, if a player they don't get worse as they're 26, 27, 28, they get better and then they start tailing off when they're in their mid 30s. Like, I don't know. I think the sky's the limit for Jack Hughes. The only players, like, I think he's second for the Hart Trophy right now. I really do. Just because, you know, most valuable player to your team, McDavid is one. Like, right? Like, if the Oilers make the playoffs, it's solely because of him and, and Dreisaitl. But, you know, McDavid's got 20 points more than the second leading scorer in the NHL. I think Jack Hughes is right there in second place. I think he's eighth or ninth in league scoring right now. He's on pace for about 100, and he's 21 years old. There's a long way to go with this Devils team, but it's been fun to watch. Now, Frank, you can start off. I want to hear who is the rest of the players that make up all of the all-star teams. I will let you do this one. What are you looking for? I got the rosters in front of me. The rosters of every team. You want me to go through the rosters of every team? Yep. Um, it's just the 32 that I have, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I'll start with the Metro, VP's uh, Metro division. Starting from the top, we got Crosby, Sidney Crosby from the Pittsburgh Penguins making his fifth All-Star ap- uh, appearance. Johnny Hockey from the Columbus Blue Jackets making his seventh All-Star appearance. Kevin Hayes from the Philadelphia Flyers making his first playoff or playoff all-star appearance. Jack Hughes from the New Jersey Devils making his second all-star appearance. Brock Nelson from the New York Islanders making his first all-star appearance. Alexander Ovechkin from the Washington Capitals making his eighth playoff and all-star appearance. I keep saying playoffs. I'm in the playoff mood. Um Svechnikov from the Carolina Hurricanes making his first All-Star appearance. And Shesterkin from the New York Rangers making his first All-Star appearance. So that wraps up the Metro Division right there. Um, I guess I'll just keep going. Do you want? Do you like that fact that I say, like, how many All-Stars they Yeah, do? no, I like that. Let's break down each division as we go, though. Okay, go ahead. The Metropolitan Division. So obviously got the two greatest players in the last 20 years, Sidney Crosby and Alexander yep. Ovechkin. Um, one player that I believe is omitted from the Metropolitan Division is because he would never make it over Sidney Crosby. I think Evgeny Malkin has a chance to be one of the players voted in. He is one of I the agree. people I would vote for. And I'm curious what your take well, is. Who are the two players you're voting in and the goalie that you're voting in from the Metropolitan Division? Not saying who you think is going to make it because everybody has a different opinion. Who would Frankie Mueller cast his vote for? Okay, from the Metro. I think, well, I agree with you 100%. Evgeny Malkin deserves to be there, but you're not going to get over Sidney Crosby. That's just, it's not going to happen. Now, another guy, you're probably not going to expect me to say this, is Konecki from the Philadelphia Flyers. I think he's – I'm a little surprised they went with uh, Hayes over Konecki. Um, I, I, me personally, I think he deserves to be there over Hayes. 
so I would probably have to give him my vote. Um, just the production that we've seen from him on this bad Flyers team, he's still producing at a pretty good rate. So um, he'd probably be my pick number two. And then what else are you asking for? A goalie. Th- that'll get voted. A goalie from the Metropolitan Division. Let's see. This is going to sound crazy because I don't know. I, me, It's who I would vote in. I would vote in Kochetkov from the Carolina Hurricanes. He has been fantastic, but he's never going to make it, I don't think. He doesn't have enough games under his belt. He doesn't have enough games under his belt. I, I don't think he'd ever make it, and I don't know if people are going to vote for him, but I would 100%. What I've seen from this guy this year, this young goaltending athlete, I would have to give him my vote, um, and, and he'd have to make it for me. I agree with you on all three of your picks. I would throw because I think Konechny probably deserves it more than Kevin Hayes, but I'm still happy for Kevin Hayes. He was extremely emotional about making it with everything that happened to their family in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Hayes is the best one. That's his nickname for a reason, the best one. He's just an unbelievable dude. I love Kevin Hayes. I'm happy he gets to have this experience. Konechny's going to make a million all-star games. You know, Maybe he'll get voted in this year, and that'll right the ship. I think that's possible. Evgeny Malkin. I would love to see Nico Heischer, right? I think he's the most underrated player in the Metropolitan mm-hmm. Division. Um, Jack Hughes leads all the players in scoring of any player that made the Metropolitan Division. I do want to note that, and which is pretty crazy that Sidney Crosby and Ovechkin are having the great years that they're having, and Jack Hughes is amongst them. Um, for goaltending, I think there will be three people that have a chance from the Metro to be the voted-in player. Vitek Vanacek, Piotr Kochetkov, and Vitek, or did I say Vitek Vanacek? Yeah. Ilya Sorokin. Those are the three that I think all three of those guys could be in like the Vesna Trophy conversation. Mm-hmm. I think the Bruins representative for the All-Star game that we'll get to in a couple minutes is going to win the Vesna Trophy. But I think uh, all three of those guys that I just named will be in the conversation along with somebody from the Metro or from the Central Division later on that we'll talk about too. But those are my picks. I think it'll be uh, the goalie I'll pick is Sorokin. I think okay. it'll be the two New York goalies in the All-Star game, and then I do think Malkin and Konechny are the guys making it to the All-Star game via the fan vote. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he sure makes it, but <laughs> we'll see what happens. All right, let's move on to your Central Division All-Stars. All right, in the Central Division, we got Kirill the Throw Kaprizov making his Kirill. second All-Star appearance with the Minnesota Wild. Clayton Keller from the Arizona Coyotes making his third all-star appearance. Jason Robertson from the Dallas Stars making his first all-star appearance. Vladimir Tarasenko from the St. Louis Blues making his fourth all-star appearance. Seth Jones from the Chicago Blackhawks making his fifth all-star appearance. Um, Kale McCarr from the Colorado Avalanche making his second um, all-star appearance. Morrissey from the Winnipeg Jets making his first all-star appearance. And Soros from the Nashville Predators making his second all-star appearance. What do you think, VP? I think uh, it's a very interesting list. I'll go first on this one. I think my representatives, that I think they all deserve it, right? I think Morrissey is one of the most underrated players in the NHL. People will probably poo-poo on that pick i just i don't agree i think he's absolutely deserving um i do think his 
you know, his leading scorer on his team, Kyle Connor, should be one of the players voted in um, based on what is deserving. And then, you know, you look around the rest of the division, I think Miko Rantanen is also probably very deserving of being voted in as well. Those are the two guys I will throw. Um, what's his name? Pierre-Luc Dubois' name has to be in the mix. Um, so I think it'll become kind of come from that group of players. I'm not really sure if there's a wild forward that deserves it over any of the other guys. Same thing with mm-hmm. Nashville. Nashville's forward in D, it's interesting. They – they went with Saros as their all-star game representative because I do think so I'm far this shocked. year. Yeah, so far this year, I, I would have put Yossi from the Predators, I and then my here. two goalies would be Hellebuck and Ottinger. And so I, now I think one of Hellebuck or Ottinger will be the two one of the two guys voted in. The other one's going to be watching the all-star game from a freaking beach because they're taking a vacation. Maybe they'll go down and hang in South Florida with a couple of their teammates. That's what I would do. But you know, that that's my, you know, take on the central division. Do I think Patrick Kane has a chance to get voted in simply because the Chicago voting has been known to dominate these ballots over the years? You might remember when the MLB All-Star game had a last man in for the uh, National League and the American League. The two people that got in last minute were Anthony Rizzo and Chris Sale. The Chicago just owned the freaking voting for that. And there was the year where they voted in the starting lineup. And the starting lineup was Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, uh, I think someone Duncan else. Duncan Keith, I'm pretty sure. Duncan like... Keith, Brent Seabrook, and Corey Crawford were all – it was like five of the six starters for the game were Blackhawks. I can't remember who the fifth or the sixth was that wasn't a member of the Blackhawks, but it was just one of those things, you know, Chicago can own. So it wouldn't sh- – and Patrick Kane's been – when they used to vote for the captain instead of the final people in like they're doing this year, it used to be you vote for the captain of each division. Patrick Kane's been the captain a couple times. So Chicago does do well in the voting. Yep. He wouldn't be my deserved nominee, but it wouldn't be shocking to me if he was voted in. You know, I agreed with a lot of the stuff you said. Kyle Connor deserves to be there. Kind of so- shocked that Morrissey got in over him. Um, Kyle Connor's having an absolutely fantastic year and you nailed it on the head with UC Soros because he got, he started this year pretty bad. I was kind of worried for him because I have him on our fantasy team in our league. And I was like, Oh my God, I, I choose chose this guy early and he's, he's not doing that good. He's not putting up those numbers that we were thinking he would put up. And the fact that Roman Yossi didn't get in, but a guy like Seth Jones got in kind of like, weirds me out a little bit it's not the right wording but it's like why would you have seth jones and over yossi and like yossi is not having yossi's year last year but if you're gonna have a defenseman seth jones or roman yossi like who the fans want to see you're gonna want to see roman yossi over seth jones and me as a blackhawks fan can admit that like roman yossi is more exciting of the two so that's just a little surprising in my in my eyes. But Saros, we know what he can do when he's on point. And he's a very skilled goaltender, and that's what they want. They want competitiveness, and maybe he's going to bring that to the game. I'm also a little surprised that Tarasenko got in. That just boggles my mind. How, how did Tarasenko get in over Cairo? Well, like, Cairo's probably going to be his injury replacement because Tarasenko's not going to be healthy by the time. But why even make him? the Like, Cairo is just – he leads the team. Like, I am stunned. Like, Kairu's having a pretty good year. For Made the a sick play league. in overtime to create a two-on-one for them. Like, to me, that is just stunning from the Central Division. This year, 
is probably the most shocked I've been in an all-star roster um, in quite some time. It's just not a lot of it's making sense to me. And the Central Division may be like the most messed up with Tarasenko, Jones, Morrissey, Saros. To me, it's like, I don't know what they're doing, but they're, they're it's, it's got a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, I'll be more cool with Morrissey making it if Kyle Connors voted in. He might not be, though. I know. He might not be. Is, uh, is Kyle Connor a guy you're going to vote in? Like, are yeah. people going to vote him in? I don't know. I'm just surprised they took two defensemen. Most divisions only have one, and they didn't even take the one I would. But I, like I said, I'm full respect to Morrissey. I do think he is an all-star caliber player. I do. They're second in their division. They're 26-14-1. He's a big part of that. Um I, I am going to give my respect to Josh Morrissey and the Winnipeg Jets, but I'm a little surprised it wasn't Connor. Um, there was another point. Oh, do you remember who drafted Seth Jones? Was it? It wasn't Ottawa. No. I don't remember them. It was the Nashville Predators. They chose Roman Yossi over Seth Jones They because they had Shea Weber at the time too. Man, that year that the Hawks beat them with Scott Darling, they had Weber, Yossi, Jones, Ekholm, and Ellis. I do remember. And they lost. Yeah. Like, how do you lose to the Blackhawks who end up winning the cup? That just goes to show <laughs> how good the Blackhawks were. Nashville probably would have won the cup that year. And they traded Seth Jones to the Columbus Blue Jackets in exchange for Ryan Johansson. It was a one-for-one trade. I remember I was in sociology class, and I got the notification on my phone that they had been traded one-for-one. And I was like, holy crap, that's the closest thing to a hockey trade that you can get in the NHL. It was like, when they say say a hockey trade, like it has nothing to do with the salaries. There's no draft picks. It is literally a, hey, both teams are trying to improve their hockey chances this year. That's what I meant by a hockey trade. Mm -hmm. And I would say there aren't many hockey trades in the NHL these days. It's a lot of times a team looking to offload a really good player for, you know, contract reasons or, you know, draft picks. Like when the Blackhawks trade Patrick Kane, if they do, that won't be a hockey trade, right? The Blackhawks won't be looking to improve their current team by making that trade. In fact, they are solely admitting they're trying to make it worse by making a trade like that. So the Seth Jones trade, I'll always remember that. So now I think it's funny that Jones is in the all-star game and Yossi's watching from home, even though the (laughs) wrong guy is watching from home and Jones plays for a division rival. It's just crazy how the world of hockey gets turned upside down sometimes. But Frank, now I think it's time we move on to the Pacific division of the National Hockey League. All right. From the Seattle Kraken, Ben Ears is making his first all-star appearance. Kevin Fiala from the Los Angeles Kings making his first all-star appearance. Nazem Kadri from the Calgary Flames making his second all-star appearance. Connor McDavid from the Edmonton Oilers making his sixth all-star appearance. (laughs) Troy Terry from the Anaheim Ducks making his second all-star appearance. Peterson from, or Pedersen, whatever you want to say, from the Vancouver Canucks making his third all-star appearance. Eric Carlson from the San Jose Sharks making his seventh, a whopping seven bomb, all-star appearance. And Logan Thompson from the Vegas Golden Knights making his first all-star appearance. I just want to go out and say Ben Years is having a phenomenal year. I'm rocking my Kraken hat. And he, 
before we the podcast we did where we were predicting the trophy winners, he was my pick for rookie of the year. Um, I'm pretty sure he was my pick for rookie of the you year. Both had him. I know I he was my leading point scorer. I'm pretty was he for for the Kraken? Did I go with him? You probably did. I think I did. I think I did. I definitely chose him to be rookie of the year. I think. I mean, we could fact check that, or somebody else could fact check that. But yeah, Ben years fantastic. I go down this list. Logan Thompson. Logan Thompson kind of surprised me as the goaltender for the Pacific Division. Now, don't get me wrong. This man is having a fantastic year, and he definitely deserves to be there. Um, I'm trying to think of a goaltender from. The Pacific, who would make it over him? I mean, Martin Jones been pretty good lately, not over the long haul of the first um, first half of the season. Uh, Jonathan Quick probably not. Who's the goalie for um, the Oilers? What's his name? Oh, he's having a great year, Stuart Skinner. That's Skinner, who I was going to Skinner. Yeah, I mean, I could see him having Calder uh, Trophy finalist if the season ended today. Absolutely. I mean, Thompson is having a great year though, and the, the Vegas Golden Knights are having a great year, so that's got to be the the reason for it. But I'm surprised like Eichel didn't get in. Who I know has been dealing with injury, and you know, there's just so many other talented guys on this team. Timo Meyer could have got in, but like you said, Eric Carlson's having a phenomenal year. So, but is Timo Meyer going to be a guy that gets voted in? I don't know. I don't know if the fans are going to vote a guy like that in. Normally the fans like to vote in that guy that's way out there, like completely random. It could be anybody, a fourth liner, or they're going to vote in big name players. So I don't know if a guy like Timo Meyer would be in. But he's he's very 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 well deserving, and if I was voting, I would vote Timo Meyer. And um, I'm just kind of rambling on now because I don't I don't know. I, obviously, Drysaddle's not going to make it over McDavid. He's a guy who could I could see very well be voting in. Um, but a lot of first timers on this Pacific Division making it: Beniers, Fiala, and Thompson. Uh, with Terry and Kadri only having this will only be their second All Star appearance, so this is a very rookieish team, despite Eric Carlson. Yeah, I would think Drysidle's the guy. He's got to be the guy. I would assume so. I'll be annoyed if he's not voted <laughs> in, because then it'll just be a popularity contest. Like Drysidle deserves to be in, guys. Go vote for Leon Drysidle right well, people now. People vote for him. He's got that name. Like everybody yeah. knows Leon Drysidle. Oh people yeah. Vote for him. Yeah. He's well known as a top five player in the NHL because he is. Um, I'm happy Logan Thompson made it. You know, he was in the Devils system. He played one game for the Devils, got absolutely freaking shelled, and they moved on from him. And now he's Vegas' starting netminder in the All-Star game. It's honestly phenomenal. He's fantastic. Yeah. Like, I'm not shitting on Logan Thompson. I'm just a little surprised. He's got a 266 goals against, which it's okay. There's goaltenders better in the Pacific. I'm pretty sure that has a lower goals against, but I think a big part of that is because of how well Vegas has been playing. Yeah. Goals against is a fraud stat though. Cause it's a, it's a measurement of your team too. Like if you give up 50 shots and the goalie saves 47 of them, his save percentage is like nine thirty, but his goals against average is three. <laughs> Like, uh, that's why I just hate goals. Like, Logan Thompson's save percentage is nine. I'm a big goals against guy. Goals against is a fraud. <laughs> that I just pointed out why. Yeah, I know. I still don't agree with you. I still am a big um, 
still big goals against guys. There's it's there's got to be context to it. Like, well, it just tells you how many goals the goalie has let up, though. But I'm not, okay. I'm not combining it with save percentage. But his save percentage is nine fourteen, which is the same right. as Kachetkov, uh, Stuart Skinner, who we were just. You know but what matters no the most is not the shots on goals. It's the pucks that go in the net. Yeah. So, I, I, so in my opinion, goals against is way more important than save percentage. You can have a great save percentage, but what I'm looking for is if you can keep the puck out of the net. Yeah, but there are teams that screw over their goalies. Yeah, and that's why if you're on one of those teams or a team that does, doesn't have good people in front of you, good defense or offense to produce for you, it, it kind of sucks for you, but that's just something you got to deal with. Yeah. A lot of the times, though, like if you give up 50 shots or if you give up 60 shots in a game, which does happen, you give up 60 shots in a game, the goalie lets in four. You're telling me that's the goalie's fault? His goals against average is four. But his save percentage is 950. Like he saved 95% of the shots that went in. I think you got to use context. If, If you're shooting or if your save percentage is... 892 and your goals against is 4.1 then you got a stinky goalie <laughs> you know but i get what you're saying i don't know I, I i never look at goals against average i hate it i have like okay but you got a guy like linus allmark who leads in both that is a goalie where like the bruins are winning because of their goalie they're not giving up goals because of their goalie but then you look at a guy like Sorokin who has a 925 save percentage, but his goals against average is 2.3. 2.3 is good, mm-hmm. but it's not like, you know, top five. I think it's just in the top five. But like his save percentage is second in the NHL. In my opinion, he's been the second best goal. He has saved the second best percentage of shots. I hear but I don't know. I think Logan Thompson, regardless of what any of his numbers are, has exceeded expectations in every way. And I'm happy for him. I could see a Vegas guy getting voted into the All-Star game, though. If Jack Eichel got voted in or Mark Stone got voted in, I don't think they would vote in someone like Petrangelo this year. He was there last year. But I don't know. The Pacific Division is very good. And people are going to look at it and see it as an unrecognizable lineup a lot of the part of it. But I'm like... That doesn't mean that are not very good just because, you know, McKinnon's not there or whatever. McKinnon could get voted and he scored yesterday. He'll be eligible, but I don't know. I, I do think they're one of the weakest of the four teams, though. I would put him third. Yeah. You think the Central's less? Yeah. Yeah, I do, too. They're, they're right there. They're close. I think the Eastern Conference is just better in general. Do yeah. I think that means they'll win the Cup? Not necessarily. Vegas could win the Cup. Uh, Winnipeg could win the cup with the wild, uh, the avalanche could come out of their shell. Um, McDavid and Edmonton, I don't know. Calgary, I don't know, but like they could win the cup, but I think the teams they go through will be weaker than the teams that the Eastern conference champion go through. And that could be why the West that's lucky for the Western conference champion. Maybe the Eastern conference champion will be, you know, brittled down by the time they reach the Stanley Cup final. That always happens sometimes, too. I think the Blues were a product of that in 2019. The Bruins had to go through all these freaking wild animals, <laughs> and then they faced the Blues in the Stanley Cup final. Easy peasy. Nope. So, see what happens. Frank, I know you have that Atlantic Division roster ahead of you right now. Yep. 
Got Nikita Kucherov from the Tampa Bay Lightning making his fourth All-Star appearance. Dylan Larkin from the Detroit Red Wings making his third All-Star appearance. Mitchell Marner from the Toronto Maple Leafs making his second All-Star appearance. Nick Suzuki from the Montreal Canadiens making his second second All-Star appearance. Tage Thompson from the Buffalo Sabres making his first All-Star appearance. Brady Kachuk from the Ottawa Senators making his third All-Star appearance. Matthew Kachuk from the Florida Panthers making his second All-Star appearance. And Linus Allmark from the Boston Bruins making his first All-Star appearance. Got to be honest with you. Nobody was making it from the Lightning over Kucherov. Kucherov is just having a phenomenal year. I think he's got like 59 points. Um, and then on the bottom, when he got Linus Allmark, kind of surprised Pasternak didn't make it, given of how much of like a gap Pasternak has on this Bruins team. I mean, him, Marshan, Bergeron, they're all deserving of making it. But I think, I mean, they gave it to the young guy who's just having an unbelievable year, who has only lost once in regulation and two times all year. Um, I'm actually kind of glad they gave it to Allmark because Allmark would not have gotten voted in whatsoever. But guys like Pasternak, Bergeron, Martian have that opportunity of getting in. So I, I'm actually happy they went the Allmark route. Um, you got the Kachuk brothers. That'll be cool. The brothers playing on the same team. Tage Thompson deserves it. Um, like I said, I've been wrong about Tage Thompson. He's having a phenomenal year, making his first all-star appearance. Guy like Austin Matthews, just because of his name and we know how skillful he is, could get voted into Mitchell Marner. So um, being the option from the Maple Leafs, not a bad option. Um, but this team as a whole, it, it looks pretty good. If Vasilevsky, another goaltender, were to make the team, wouldn't be surprised. He's the guy who comes up clutch in games, big games. Um, I think that he would be a great goaltender to have on this Atlantic Division team. So if I had to choose a goaltender that, that didn't make it, I would give it to Vasilevsky potentially. So that's what I got for you on the Atlantic. Yeah, my people that would make it would be Austin Matthews, David Pasternak, and Vasilevsky. Those so are the people that I would. the same three I just mentioned. Yeah, no, absolutely. We've agreed on every one except one, I think. And, I mean, because to me this one is like if you argue this one with me, <laughs> I'm like I'm like I'm just not entertaining like you're you're not watching hockey because I truly believe listen points aren't everything in the NHL they're not I hate to break it to you they're not Austin Matthews is having a better year this year than he was last year I wholeheartedly believe that he is going to score anywhere from 15 to 20 less goals I don't care he's probably going to have right around the same number of points okay he's got 47 points in 40 games played they played tonight against Washington um, wouldn't shock me if he pots a no. couple in this game at all. Buffalo and or no, Philly plays Washington. Philly plays Washington. Nashville plays Toronto. Sorry, sorry, sorry. They play t Nashville tonight. It wouldn't shock me at all if he has a big game. TNT, yep. Austin Matthews, he's got 20 goals. 100%. He's not on pace for 60. He's probably not going to win the Rocket Richard. I honestly believe Matthews is putting it all in on winning this year. It's not about breaking a goal record. You know, and then being dry in the first round, even though he wasn't dry in the first round last year. Um, and they lost game seven by one to the team that went to the cup. Um, Matthews, in my wholehearted opinion, is having a better year this year than he was last year. It's more evenly bounced. I hate plus minus, but he's plus 17. 
He's playing a way better two-way game. His two-way game is off the chart. I believe if the season were to end today, there's a chance he'd be a Selkie nominee with Heesher and Bergeron. Obviously, Mark Stone and guys like that are in the conversation as well. Um, but Austin Matthews, he's the best player in the Atlantic division. He wasn't going to make it this year over – you said it was uh, Nylander that made it or Marner? Mitchell Marner. It was Marner that made it. Okay, well, Marner had the point streak. He's got two more points than Matthews right now. I don't believe he will finish the season as the Maple Leafs scoring leader. I believe that will be Austin Matthews. Um, instead of just firing the puck on net all the time now, he's making the smarter plays a little bit more. And the Leafs have been a much better team. The Leafs are currently 25-9-7. and seven. They're not going to catch the Bruins. Nobody's going to catch the Bruins. They don't lose. But I, you know, I think the Leafs are the best team in the Eastern Conference besides the Bruins. And you know, if they meet in a conference final or in a second round, and it's going to be a great series. I literally can't wait for it. Um, Matthews is my guy. Then Pasternak, same thing. Yeah, you know, he's a top ten player in the NHL, in my opinion. If the Bruins win the Cup this year, it wouldn't shock me if he moves on, unless they extend him before. Pasternak. Yeah, because he is gonna want a lot of money and the Bruins don't give typically contracts like the one pasta deserves. They just don't. Marshan's underpaid, Bergeron's underpaid, McAvoy's underpaid, even Hampus Lindholm is underpaid. Um for a long time Tuka Rask was their highest paid player and you can argue he was underpaid based on what his peers were getting in net, the Lundquists, the prices, you know, guys like that who were elite at the same time as him, Jonathan Quick, Corey Crawford, guys like that. The Bruins don't normally give out an 8 by 12 contract, which is what Pasternak kind of deserves, right? Like, if I was him, the, I would want to be the second highest paid player in the NHL behind McDavid. That's, I mean, call a spade a spade. He's, he's one of the best players in the NHL. His contract's up. He's next in line. And then Vasilevsky is right there with Igor Shesterkin for me for the best goalie in the NHL. This year, Allmark has been, you know, better than everyone. I think it's one of those things Allmark made it over Pasternak because of all the bad looks that the NHL has with this roster, the worst look they could possibly have would be omitting the guy who leads the league in save percentage and goals against, no matter how you feel about either stat. I know there are people in the world that agree with you. I know there are people in the world that agree with me. The fact of the matter is if you lead in both, that means not only are you stopping almost every puck you see, you're also helping elevate your team if your goals against is that low. Because if the Bruins give up 50 shots, he's giving up an average of two goals, which is even more impressive. And that's proven by his save percentage. So the the fact that his goals against is so low. So when you lead them both, if they don't put that guy in, they're they're going to have riots in the streets. So, right. you know, Pasternak, he, he'll probably get voted in. But I honestly think the Atlantic has the most cut and dry. These are the people that should be voted in. Would it stun me if – Someone from the Leafs got in because I uh, like someone extra from the Leafs got in. Matt Murray's deserving, although the NHL doesn't like him very much right now. They're investigating in the whole go post thing, and it's all because of Matt Murray. Um, if a Lightning player got voted in because of their popularity, Buffalo's a huge online community with hockey. If a, if a Rasmus Dahlin got voted in, he'd probably be second for the Norris Trophy if the season ended today. Behind Eric Carlson, uh, Ottawa's got a lot of people. Montreal, big fan base. So, but we know who deserves it from the Atlantic. I agree. It was very cut and dry. Interestingly enough, this there are eleven first-time All Stars this year, so there's a lot of new faces. It's about thirty-three percent almost of the the whole first 
people in first named on the roster are newcomers. So it's going to be a different next generation type of feel to this all-star game. Absolutely. And a lot of these guys we could absolutely see making it to more as the years go on. Um, So that's exciting. Um, Yeah, uh, that's the all-star game. We're going to be covering it through and through as the show goes on. Um, We have a big all-star themed guest next weekend, guys. I'm legitimately so excited for this thing. Like, I'm going to be up at night thinking about it. That's how excited I am. And, you know, I'll probably make an announcement on who it is over the weekend. I'm thinking either Friday at night or Saturday during the day or even Sunday during the day while everyone's watching some foosball. Um, Very much looking forward to it. So, Frank, I think with that, we can get to the other NHL business going on in the league in period number two. Welcome to period two. Frank, are you still upset about the freaking internet? I can tell. It ruined the whole mojo. What the fuck, man? Get the fuck over it. Honestly. It happens all the time. Computers slow them. You you think anyone who's done a podcast before never had some technical difficulties? It's just annoying. The Barstool Chicago guys have like a days without issues sign and it's always zero <laughs> i mean what the fuck dude you think you're the only one everyone's gonna cry frankie mueller mueller river because his camera wasn't working they hope to build me a boat he build you a boat so you could get the fuck over it bro we're in period number two and you're still pouting that we were a little late oh frankie's a little late to the show you're fine you're the best producer in the land i mean appreciate it i i have all the faith in the world in you if I was pissed at you for being five minutes late today, you'd be banned from our interview next week. But you're um, not. I could be. You're not. <laughs> I'm trying to hype you up, man. I'm hyped. Forget about it. All right. I'm Forget familiar. about it. I deleted it. It's gone. See ya. Pasternak and the Bruins are on fire. Talk to me about it. I mean, yeah, it's just they're going to do exactly what I said last week. The second half of the season. They're not going to take their foot off the gas. I, I'm going to go ahead and say this is a bold statement, but not really. They got the President's Trophy locked up. Not one team. I don't care. There's not one team capable of catching the Bruins. They got an 11-point lead, and do you know how hard, even when you're just chasing one team, how hard it is to overcome an 11-point deficit, especially when the Bruins don't lose? The Bruins would have to like go on a – a six-game losing streak, and teams behind them would just it, – it's just not going to happen. I don't care if they're the New Jersey Devils, Vegas, Carolina, Toronto, whoever it may be is not going on a winning streak, and it's just not going to happen. And and David Pasternak is probably going to get 50 goals. I think he's going to be a 50-goal scorer this year. He's got 32 already, 58 points in 40 games. That man right now is on an absolute heater. All marks virtually unbeatable. I mean, there's not much else you could say about a team this locked in right now. I completely agree. I think the Bruins are the best team in the NHL. I do think they're going to win the Cup. I think they're every about every 10 years, the President's Trophy winner wins the Cup. It's a little scary, though, when a team's this good. You always I know. get nervous. You always get I know. nervous. I know, I know, and we had this conversation in private on Monday. But I honestly think this is the year I'm not nervous. I, I don't know why. 
It's just like a hunch I have. Like every 10 or so years, the President's Trophy winner does win the Mm -hmm. Stanley Cup. I know it's like uh, the President's Trophy curse, blah, blah, blah. That's because 16 teams make the playoffs and you're relying on one to win the Stanley Cup. That's why the President's Trophy curse actually exists, because winning the Stanley Cup is incredibly hard. Still, no other seed in NHL history has won the Stanley Cup more than the one seed. Um, not a lot of people even know that because of all the hype around the president's trophy curse, but the last team to do it was the 2012, 13 Chicago Blackhawks. Um, I believe before that it was Detroit in 2008. So roughly once or twice a decade, a team does it. It's been a while since the team's done it as of right now. Pasta and the Bruins are my pick to win the Stanley Cup. The reason for that is because I believe they have an all-star at every unit. They have, they're close to having a Hall of Famer at every unit. I don't think they have a Hall of Fame goaltender, but they have a potential Hall of Fame defenseman. With If McAvoy keeps this trajectory up, he could be a Hall of Famer. I think Pasternak is you know, on his way to competing with Matthews for being the best goal scorer of the 2010s or 2020s, excuse me. Um, if Ovechkin ever retires, maybe he'll be in that mix too. But, um, you know, the Bruins are on fire. Marshan's unbelievable. Taylor Hall's on the third line, right? Like, they're so yeah. good that Taylor Hall, a Hart Trophy winner within the last five years, is on the third line. I think mm-hmm. that speaks volumes about their forward depth. They're Obviously, very good. Yeah, they're very good with defensemen like McAvoy and Lindholm and Carlo and Grizzlick. You know, all these guys – they're, they're just very, very good. I, if I were them, they're the only team I've ever seen in the, with this much of a lead for the President's Trophy that I would not make a move if I were them. I wouldn't change anything. You know, if you want to add a seventh D to put on the bench, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, in case someone gets hurt, because Carlo's been known to get hurt in the playoffs. Um, you never know what happens with McAvoy or Lindholm when that time comes. You know, if you want to add a seventh defenseman or something like that, but I'm not changing anything. If I'm, you know, the Boston Bruins, Don Sweeney, Cam Neely, you know, you keep that top line with DeBrusque, Pasternak, or DeBrusque, Bergeron, and Marshan. The perfection line is gone. You don't need that anymore. The you, They call it the checkmate line because they're all checks now. Uh, Pavel Zaka with um, David Pasternak and David Krejci. Um, Zaka stinks, but he's catching lots of secondary assists playing with Krejci and Pasternak. And then you got the third line with Coyle, Hall, and then their fourth line's pretty good as well. And then the defense is so good. I just think the world of the Bruins so far this year. Um, I don't know if Joey Parisi's watching this episode, just absolutely, you know, <laughs> moist in every part of his body right now, listening to it. But the Bruins are that good this year. Um, they smoked the Devils twice, and I think the Devils are a very good team. Um, I think the Devils can get to the Bruins level over the next couple of years, but they're not there now. Yeah, I mean, I. It's very tough. I don't see the Bruins the way I see saw Colorado last year. What I saw in Colorado last year was something special that I was like, I guaranteed that the Colorado Avalanche were winning the cup. There was nothing that was going to stop them. Um, that was a very special team. But right now the Bruins are the best team in the NHL. And it's going to be very hard for another team to beat them in a best of seven series. So I completely agree with you. Right now, I could see them winning the Cup. They're the favorite. They'd probably be my pick right now to win the Cup. It's just, to me, it's a little scary. As always, no matter who it is, every year, if the Hawks were in first right now, I'd be a little worried because it's just, you got a lot of pressure on you. But this team looks different. This Boston Bruins team comes out every night 
and whether they're playing back to back, they're either on a road trip, that California road trip. They just scored seven against Anaheim, which Anaheim sucks. They're not a good team by any means, but they still were able to come out on a second of a back to back and pot seven goals, which is just this team feels a little bit different, almost similarly to the Colorado Avalanche last year. But then again, we're only halfway through the season, so I, I want to be a little cautious and see how the second half of the season finishes. But no doubt going to win the President's Trophy. And no doubt they're going to be one of those teams that are just near impossible to defeat. But if you're going to defeat them, you're going to have to give it everything you got. I agree. Um, they have a nine-point lead on the president. No, that make that an 11-point lead on the President's Trophy. The Maple Leafs and Devils have a 33 and 32 goal differential respectively. And that, oh, Dallas is up there with 35 as well. Um, the Bruins are plus 68. It's crazy. They're double the second best. I think two weeks ago when we were talking about the Bruins, I told you they were a plus 50. They went up 18, plus 18 in the past couple weeks. Yeah. This, this is a different team. This is a, they're hungry right now. They're on pace to have a record. If they win, to, if they play tonight. They do not play tonight. They play tomorrow against the Kraken. Um, watch the Kraken beat them. Um, I wouldn't be shocked. No, I, I mean, wouldn't be shocked. Competitive. But let's pretend they beat the Kraken and become 33-4-4. Four, and four. That will finish the first half 33-4-4. Four, and four. That will mean they are on pace for a record of 66-8-8, eight, and eight, which I don't know if they don't ever get to 10 regulation losses. I would think they do. Um, only the Toronto Maple Leafs and Carolina Hurricanes – are not in double-digit losses, regulation losses. Um, the Bruins don't even have double-digit losses, OT yeah. or regular. If, I if, know, that's crazy. if hockey records were like baseball, they would be 32-8. and eight. You know, and here's the thing when it comes to sports. I think everything evens out and levels out eventually, right? Devils went on. I keep forgetting what the number was. What was 13. their win? 13. Didn't think they were going to lose. They looked unbeatable. Then they lost six in a row. Things starting to even out a little bit. If you're shooting 80% from three in the first half of a basketball game, the chances are you're not going to come out in the second half and shoot 80%. It's just things tend to even out. And that's where I kind of feel about the Boston Bruins. By any means, do I, I don't think they're going to end with 20 losses or whatever, regular season lo or regulation losses. That's not what I'm getting at here. I just don't think they're going to finish at that pace. And I know you kind of agree with me too because you think they'll probably get to 10 regulation losses, you would assume. So I think they're – I want to see how the second half goes for them. Um, I think the second half will be a big telling. If they if they go and finish whatever eight regulation losses or something, I'm like, all right, this is the Colorado of last year. This is They're guaranteed going to win the Cup. It's just hard to perform that way in the first half, and even players performing in the first half, things tend to level off, in my opinion, when it comes to sports in the second half. That's fair. I agree. I just think leveling off will still make them the best team in the I, NHL. I agree. They yeah. could level off and still have a 10-point lead for the President's Trophy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, when a team is dominant and they still lose a little bit, that's what happened to the Devils. Right of those six losses, mm -hmm. there's this thing in hockey called the deserve to win meter, and it measures like your shot efficiency and your shooting percentage and like all sorts of advanced statistics. 
And of their six losses on that six-game losing streak, they only deserved to lose twice. And so, like, a team like the Bruins, I think even the wins or their losses, they probably are pretty favorable on the deserve-to-win meter. But that doesn't matter in the playoffs because it doesn't matter if you deserve to win or not. You lose four times out of seven, you're out. See you next year, training camp. Have a nice summer, pal. So, but David Pasternak, if I were the Bruins, I would have locked him up three years ago. Um, hopefully, they're able to get something done with him that doesn't completely destroy their salary cap. But I think this will be the most interesting offseason for the Boston Bruins in our lifetime. It's very possible. There's it a is. lot of question marks, in my yeah. opinion. There are, and nobody will care about any of them if they're going down Causeway with the Stanley Cup in late June. Um, Frank, Lucas Reichel and the Chicago Blackhawks are on a little bit of a, I mean, for their standards, they're on a heater. (laughs) And they played the Arizona Coyotes last Friday. And I texted you. You were there. Yep. It was gamers night. Happy gamers night. Um, I was like, Lucas Reichel, he, he got called up to in place of Patrick Kane, him and Brett Sini making their, you know, I don't know if it was either of their season debuts. I don't think it was their season debuts with the Hawks, but it was definitely like one of their early games of the NHL season. And I texted you. I was like, mm-hmm. and Skoke says Lucas has arrived. Hell yeah, Lucas has arrived. I texted you while you were at the Coyotes game. This is his best game as a pro at either level. How many goals and assists did he have to show for it? Zero. I was like, huh. That was weird. He didn't get a single point. Uh, the team, they're playing the Coyotes. The Coyotes fought the Hawks well. It was a battle of two teams that both stink. Um, but here was Lucas Reichel just playing extremely well, away from the puck, creating time and space, good against the boards. While, lo and behold, I write an article telling you that it is a for sure thing that his first career NHL goal is coming soon and that it very well might happen against Calgary. I'm at the game against Calgary Sunday night. About three minutes into the game, Lucas Reichel scored his first career NHL goal. He followed that up with two more assists, including setting up Max Domi's overtime game-winning goal, the OTGWG, Domi's second of the season, um, 12th goal of the season, second overtime winner of the season. And, man, Lucas Reichel is here. He looks like a player who, if they did win the lottery, to select a winger like Bedard, those two can you know, be put on a line with a centerman that, you know, is kind of a two-way centerman. I think it would be an outstanding line right away. And I just think the world of Lucas Reichel, if you're looking for some more information slash highlights on Lucas Reichel, you can always go to thewindycity.com. And then I have a thread on Twitter of some highlights. I don't know if you saw my Lucas Reichel Mm -hmm. thread, but I, you know, I really enjoyed putting that together. And, you know, Lucas Reichel, as Skokes says, has arrived. What do you think? I'm so glad um, that he just started, performing this well in these past couple of games. He didn't have anything on the score sheet in the game we went to, but I still like the way he plays. I like the way he moves out there on the ice. 20-year-old Blackhawks prospect, one of their highest prospects um, before this season. And I think he's going to be able to help this Blackhawks team build up. I truly do. You get the right pieces for him and you build around him and potentially Bedard and Korchinski and Nazar. And I mean, we're talking about a potential very good build. And I've always been very high up on Lucas Reichel. I was jealous that you got to see his first NHL goal. I was hoping that he would score in the game I was at. They had three points in that game. 
and he be the only reason he was playing against the Coyotes and the Flames was because Patrick Kane was went down with an injury. They brought Reichel up, but now Reichel's earned a full time job with the uh, Blackhawks. They announced that when Kane comes back, Reichel's not going down. He's going to be with the Hawks. So I love that decision. Let him play. You're not burning any years on his contract. You already did that last year. Um, so just let him play. Let him get NHL experience. I think the time is now, honestly. I think what we've seen, his performance in the past two games alone, and seeing the way this team plays without Patrick Kane, I think now is the time you keep him in the NHL and you just you let him, you, you let him develop here. Um, I love what I see from him. I'm glad to have him on the team. And this is truly the start of the Lucas Reichel era in Chicago. I agree with Skokes. He's here. I wish he didn't play 10 games last year. I think that was a terrible decision. He, it didn't, I told you they were going to burn his contract. Yeah, that was so dumb. <laughs> just completely stupid. Just an absolutely horrible decision. Because um, now they have one less year of control of him, and he's going to make them pay. Which they'll be okay with it if they make he makes them pay, because that'll mean he's a really good player. But he, he didn't learn anything last year that, he couldn't no, have. Yeah, it, it was, was just a terrible decision, and he really, really was always he was going to struggle at the beginning of this year too when he played in the NHL, and he did. And then he went back down to the AHL. Something clicked for him there, and now that he's back up in the NHL again, it's the way he's played away from the puck that I think has helped him with the puck. And when you have mitts like he does, and you go to the front of the net, you're going to have goals like he did his first career goal. And the best play he made was the goal that was scored by Philip Kurashev. And he got, he got one of the best goalies in the world to freeze. And then when he made that pass to Kurashev, it was a wide open net. You would have scored it if you caught it on your stick. And I love the I, way he plays. I really do. Yeah, he's a great player. If he plays with someone like Bedard, I think the sky's the limit for both of them. Um, keep losing Blackhawks. Don't start winning. Now you've made it this far. <laughs> but, I mean, Lucas Reichel, he is just really, really good. I'm happy he's there. Um, speaking of young players, Frank, Shane Wright mm-hmm. was very, very good at the World Junior Championships. He wasn't yep. quite as dominant as I thought he was going to be, but he was still very, very good. And instead of bringing him back to the Seattle Kraken, they loaned him back to his uh, CHL team. He, be- I, be- I believe he plays in the OHL. Yep. And he was traded. Yep. in the OHL and he returned and got traded right away in the OHL and he'll be back with the Kraken soon enough, but I'm very excited about, you know, what's going on with Shane Wright. I think this is a smart move for him. Go play. He played well in the world junior championships, go play really well down in the my or in the juniors for the rest of this season. You mm-hmm. got a little bit of NHL experience under your belt. You were one of three players on team Canada with some NHL experience this season that really that helped. helped them win the gold. And I think I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. Listen, we see, saw what happened with Lucas Reichel. A lot of times we think that these guys who go in the top five are projected to be number one, whatever it is. We think that they're just going to come to the NHL and dominate like McDavid and Matthews did right away. Jack Hughes had a brutal rookie season. Rasmus Dahlin, I think Dahlin might have been okay, but he wasn't like the Norris Trophy winning defenseman that he's projected out to be one day. It takes guys time. Like McDavid's a unicorn. Uh, we'll see if uh, if Bedard is a, unifor- a unicorn. But a lot of guys struggle when they first come in the league. Jack Hughes, I do believe he'll have a 110-point season in his career. He'll probably get to 100 this year or 95 this year. 
he stunk in his first year. He wasn't good away from the puck. He had like 30-something points. He wasn't valuable on the power play, and now he's one of the best players in the NHL. It takes time. Shane Wright is going to be a stud, in my opinion. He doesn't have the pressure of being the guy right now because Ben Years has been so good, and it took him a minute to really get going, and now we're seeing the fruits of their patience with him going back to Michigan and whatnot. I really think the world of Shane Wright and what he's going to be able to do with this Kraken squad. Yep, you uh, you nailed it on the head. He was traded from Kingston to the Windsor Spitfires down in the OHL. I think this is a good move by the Seattle Kraken sending him down. They don't need him right now. He wasn't doing anything in the NHL. He needs to develop just a little bit more because this isn't a guy you want to bust on. He was a very high prospect in this year's draft, fell to four to the Kraken, um, and we know how talented he can be but he's just not NHL ready. He's not there quite yet. So you're not going to see him in a Kraken uniform the rest of this year. He's going to finish the year with the OHL through June or whenever their season ends. I believe it's sometime in June and they don't need him. They're doing fine right now. They hold a playoff spot without him with you got Ben years. He's clicking right now. He's your all-star. So just don't fix what's not broken. Let them develop and then bring them into a Kraken team with, I mean, if they make the playoffs with a little bit more experience and if Shane Wright could really develop down in the OHL and you, you keep some of these familiar faces on this Kraken team and they've been doing what they're doing great, maybe next year they could really help. He could really help out this Kraken team and they could really excel in the NHL and make the Kraken a force to reckon with not only in the Pacific division, but in the Western conference. And Shane Wright isn't the only Team Canada stud that made his way back to junior. Um, Connor Bedard plays in the QMJHL, which is one of the three leagues in the CHL. Um, Frankie's with the Regina Pats. He returned to the league and had four goals and two assists <laughs> in his first game back after having a 1.25 points per period number in the World Junior Championships. We're not talking points per game. We're talking about points per period. He had 1.25 points per period in the World Junior Championships. He comes back and gets six points in his first game with the Regina Pats. Frank guy's a freaking monkey you know i read an article i'm sure you're familiar with this man craig button oh i love craig button if i could get anybody yeah. to come on here and analyze a draft with me it would be craig button maybe we'll find a way to make that happen for those we're... who don't know who craig button is he's tsn's director and really quick uh, really quick really quick you know I was high on Bowen Byram, and I thought the Blackhawks were straight up stupid for taking Colt Kirby Doc over Bowen Byram. Mm -hmm. I thought the Rangers should have taken Bowen Byram. You could go back and find my tweets that suggest so, and they got Capo Caco. They should have taken freaking Bowen Byram. Everyone should have, except the Devils taking use. It's because of the expert analysis that was fed to me by Craig Button. I just wanted yeah. to point that out and let you Craig know how, value I, how much I value his opinion. I like Craig Button as well, um, but Bedard captures gold with the World Juniors uh, Canadian team. And then I, uh, I came across an article from Craig Button, right, talking about Connor Bedard. And this article really, like, gave me the chills and sunk my heart inside my chest when I was reading it. Um, he actually granted Connor Bedard generational status. He um, he like moved him up. I think he was exceptional status, and now they he granted him generational status. And on part of that article, he had a list of like eight players that I'm going to read to you that he's 
buttons granted generational status in the past. Like these are his generational players and they are Bobby Orr, Guy Lafleur, Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, Yamir Yager, Eric Lindros, Alex Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, and Connor McDavid. And now Connor Bedard is part of that list of the generational status players, which is like, is this really what we're going to get? Is this about to happen? We're going to have a, a man like this come into the league because the last person to get generational stat- status was eight years ago with Connor McDavid. And now you're talking about Connor Bedard and having this same status as the men I just named and the Blackhawks having a very good chance, maybe the best chance of potentially getting a guy like this. It like gave me chills. It like sunk my heart inside my chest, made me feel a different way because like, this may become a reality. I think he's he's waiting in the oven to come out for the Hawks. He's baking right now, getting all nice and juicy down in the KMJHL. Did it in the World Juniors, and he, I, I think it's going to be destiny. I'm calling it now. The Blackhawks are going to win the draft lottery and get Bedard. It, it's going to happen more and more every day. It just feels like it. Read that list to me again, the players. Bobby Orr, Guy Lafleur, Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, Yamir Yager, Eric Lindros, Alex Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, and Connor McDavid. Okay, the only ones that aren't in the Hall of Fame yet are Yager, Crosby, Ovechkin, and McDavid, and that's because they're all still playing. Yager, and they will be. Yager's not eligible yet. Um, I think it's like it's not just retiring from the NHL. It's like retiring from hockey. It's the Hockey Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. not the NHL Hall of Fame. So Yager will probably be in soon. And... McDavid, yeah. McDavid, yeah, Skokes. He's hyping me <laughs> up right now too because I'm about to make a point here that I think will hype both of you up even I'm more. I'm glad, Skokes. I'm glad. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad too. Let's get hype. I want him in Chicago too, and I think I'm going to hype both of you up even more by saying this. McDavid, if he retired today, I do think would be in the NHL. He's got or in the Hall of Fame. He's got like 800 points and 400 games played, like or 500 games played. Like he's an absolute superstar too. Like. And we know about Crosby and Ovechkin. Ovechkin's going to break the goal record. Crosby will probably be second all-time in points. Yager's currently second all-time in points. Lindros, Gretzky, Lemieux, or Guy Lafleur, those are some of the best players ever. Ever. Talking that way about Connor Bedard is uh, Craig Button, whose opinion I value very hard. But you know what's more impressive to me than the players who are on that list? The players who aren't on that list that are fucking sick that you can win Stanley Cups with. I didn't hear Steven Stamkos' name closing in on 500 goals. I didn't hear um, Evgeny Malkin's name. I didn't hear Patrick Kane's name. I didn't hear Austin Matthews' name. I didn't hear Jack Hughes' name. I didn't hear Nathan McKinnon's name. Patrice Bergeron. All these players... Pasternak, all these players who are probably going to go to the Hall of Fame and be some of the best players in their team's history. And Mr. Craig Button is telling me that Connor Bedard is going to be just as good, if not better, than all of them by his projection. And listen, all these things that we're saying about Connor Bedard, no prospect is a lock, right? We don't know what's going on in between the ears. We don't know about injuries. We don't know about... But if there's as close to a lock as you can get with a prospect, it's Connor freaking Bedard. He, if he stunk, he'd be the biggest bust in NHL history. <laughs> in my opinion, the biggest bust in NHL history is Neil Yakupov. 
I know Yakupov. I remember him. Yakupov had a pretty good rookie year, though. Lafreniere is in danger because when he was with the Ramuski Oceanic, he was absolutely unbelievable. Um, but he wasn't. He wasn't like um, Bedard. Like he didn't dominate the World Juniors the same. Eberle dominated World Juniors, but he didn't have nearly the points. He had similar goals, and Eberle turned out to be a great NHL player. We'd all sign up for Eberle's career. You know, he was like the 22nd overall pick. I think the World Juniors he dominated in the goal scoring department and that made him like a World Junior legend. But like he still went 22nd instead of first for a reason. Um, I just think the world of Connor Bedard and it would not shock me if that becomes true. I mean, having six points in your return after having a point per period, he, two points per period in his return to the Pats. I mean, holy shit. What were you going to say? I, I was going to say, you don't grant somebody like Craig Button did generational status, and he turned out to be a bust. I, I think it's impossible. I don't think he has, like, I don't think he has the chance to be a bust. I really don't. The last time Button's done this was with McDavid. I mean, he doesn't do this too often. It's been eight years, VP, since somebody's been granted this generational status. So it, it's very rare for something like this to happen. So being a bust is like, near impossible i would say i wonder why he didn't give it to matthews i don't know because i do think matthews is a generational player like i don't know 60 goals in his fourth fifth year like he's on pace like with ovechkin up to their career ages i i think matthews is up there and jack hughes rasmus dahlin nico he's all great players not generational though like superstars Superstars getting this title is huge. Yes, I would say so. Uh, Tom says Alexander Daigle rakes up there as all-time busts. I might have to do a little more research on that. I don't know who that is. Sounds interesting. Um, Frank, speaking of generational talents, I don't know if Bedard can be as good as Connor McDavid because he's a little bit smaller. He's not as fast. Nobody's as fast with the puck. But McDavid has a 15-point lead on the scoring title over his teammate, Leon Dreisaitl, who they probably have helped each other. Of course, Dreisaitl's probably scored a lot of goals that McDavid set up and vice versa. Uh, Kucherov is in third place with 59 points. He's right back to being the pre-injured Kucherov, one of the best players in the NHL, no doubt about it. But Connor McDavid, man, he's been so good. And the Edmonton Oilers are barely clinging on to that yep. final wild card spot. The St. Louis Blues with an overtime win last night scored by Robert Thomas uh, tied them in points 45, but they still are below the playoff line and Edmonton is right above it. If Edmonton doesn't make the playoffs and McDavid has like 130 points, I think they have to consider anything with their organization around him. They have to consider trading Dreisaitl for help in other areas. They have to consider firing the coach or the GM or literally anyone. If that were to happen, I think you could be looking at one of the most wasted seasons in the history of the NHL. What is your take on Mick Jesus and the Oilers? He's got, I mean, this could be the year he gets 50 goals. I know you talked about it. If he wants it, he could go out and get it. He's 16 shy of that. He's got 34 goals. He's on pace for 154 points, which – that would just be unheard of. Um, something I've never seen in my lifetime. But, 
I don't know. I mean, as far as the playoffs go, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to hold on to that last spot. The reason being, you got Nashville and Colorado who are one game behind them for that final wild card spot, but they each have three games in hand on them. That That's tough. And these are teams that could snap out of it and go on runs at any moment. And it's just the Oilers just, they have nothing going for them right now. It's just really, it, it sucks if you're an Oilers fan. I mean, you get to watch McDavid and Dreisaitl every night, but not making the playoffs, I agree with you, is that's like a wasted season. Um, something needs to change in this organization. They should be better in the standings than they are, um, and maybe they will. Maybe eventually something will change, but I agree with you. If, if, they don't, if they miss the playoffs, something needs to change next year, and it needs to change fast. Yep, I completely agree. And there's another team in – Canada and West Canada that is just in major doo-doo and that is the Vancouver Canucks coming into this season with a little bit of expectations they were a bubble team as far as I was concerned I had them barely missing the postseason uh they're one of the worst teams in the league um Connor Bedard's hometown team is one of the worst teams in the league at 17 20 and 3 there is actual evidence that Connor Bedard is a Vancouver Canucks fan so you have to wonder like do they make moves try and win the draft lottery you know get themselves down into that lower area well last night last night they had a 3 nothing lead over the Pittsburgh Penguins my guy Quinton Hughes scored to make it 3 nothing and before the first period was over, a goal by Evgeny Malkin, a goal by Sidney Crosby, and a goal by Jason Zucker had the game tied at three after the first period. And then a goal by Evgeny Malkin put them ahead four to three. Yep. And then a goal by Ricard Raquel, assisted by Evgeny Malkin, made it five to three. And then Travis Dermott got one in the – you know, later stages of the third period to get them within one, but it wasn't good enough. The Penguins rallied and won the game. Frank, what does this tell you about the Vancouver Canucks right now? Well, I mean, the Vancouver Canucks, that, that's tough. That's a tough loss to um, to swallow, but I think more of the credit needs to be given to the Penguins that Crosby and, but mostly Malkin, took over that game with two goals and two assists. Um, I mean, yeah, the Vancouver Canucks, they're, they're not going anywhere. They're not that good. Um, I, I There's really not, not much to say about it. I just I, I think I in terms of the Penguins, though, like this win, if they make the playoffs, if they make the playoffs, remember this night that they came back and they won this game. It's a big two points at a team you should beat. So, um, you know, I don't as far as the Canucks go like I said I don't I really have nothing to say about them. They they're kind of boring to watch. I don't I'm not a fan of them. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean they have one of the best jersey catalogs in the NHL in my opinion. I think Vancouver. Think so? Oh yeah, I think Vancouver is sharp looking pretty much every single night. All their alternates are sick. They have the best. They have my favorite um reverse retro. In fact, the reverse retro is my phone background. Oh yeah. Um, it's been basically since they announced it too. Um, I, I love what they wear, but I don't love what they put on the ice. It's time to bring Quentin Hughes home, you know, time to bring him home. You'd like that. I would like that, but, um, it's an interesting situation. If the Penguins make the playoffs though, 
this could be the type of game that you look back and say, hey, that started a little bit of a rally. They lost. They blew the Winter Classic, but they had that game against the Vancouver Canucks where they were down 3 nothing, and instead of giving it up, Crosby and Malkin. Crosby and Malkin put the team on their back as they have for, you know, the better part of two decades now. And we'll see what happens going forward into the rest of the season. But Frank, I don't normally bring up like individual games to talk on the show because like a whole week goes by in between podcasts. I did feel like that was one worth noting on the show, though. But I do got to ask you, what is your favorite hockey story of the week? This was hilarious. Um <laughs> I think it was yesterday. Um, oh, what what game was it though? I don't even remember what game it was. But Skarsgård, the actor Skarsgård, Ryan Reynolds, and Lundqvist were all attending the hockey game. And I think was it a Rangers game? Yep. It was the Rangers game. I figured right because like Against Lundqvist the wild. is there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they showed the three on the kiss cam, and Skarsgård and Reynolds kissed Lundqvist on each cheek and it was just to me the funniest thing um to happen because normally celebrities like that don't usually make it on the kiss cam so I was like oh yeah that's kind of funny put them on the kiss cam see what happens and they lived up to the hype and those three guys got that personality that would do something like that not every, every actress or actor would do something like that but it was just it was really funny I also want to give a shout out to Ben Years scoring in his fifth straight game because he's been absolutely sensational. And uh, I said this earlier, but we picked him to be rookie of the year. So I like what I'm seeing from him so far, too. It's like my honorable mention. Yeah, for sure. So my favorite hockey story of the week, we had a game today between the USA and Canada in the Women's World Championships. And I love the women's leagues. I do follow the the pro league that they have, the PHF, and we had Dan Rice on to talk about it a couple weeks ago. You might remember we're going to have to have mm-hmm. him back on to update yeah. us on all that. But Team Canada did find a way to beat Team USA today, 3-1. to one. And, you know, we saw Hillary Knight inside the glass yesterday in the game. I want to say was it the game between the New York Rangers – or no, it was the New Jersey Devils and the – uh, Carolina Hurricane. She was in Newark doing Inside the Glass, and I just love helping grow the game for the women and helping little girls, you know, go on to play hockey. I think that's extremely important. Um, you know, it's a great game for everyone to be a part of. And Team USA and Team Canada had a nice little tilt today. Where, where it's, I'm interested to see who's able to come out as the champions of this World Championship League. But we will be following women's hockey all season long on this podcast. And I'm glad you. I'm glad you said that because I, I look forward to the when the women play, the women's hockey play, when it's USA, Canada, and women, or, you know, they have their tournaments on TV. I focus in and I watch it just like I watched the World Juniors when Canada and USA played. I do the same thing when it comes to the women. Just because they're women doesn't mean I'm not going to watch it. I look forward to it. Um, I love Hillary Knight, uh, Amanda Kessel. I mean, I love this team. It, it's a really special team. And in my opinion, they're just as entertaining as the men's. And uh, I, there's just something about him that I look forward to. But why does it always seem like it's USA Canada all the time? It's like I think the networks and media blow it up a little more when it's USA versus Canada. Sweden, Finland, and Russia, and Chechia, and um, the Swiss, they haven't caught up to Canada in the U.S. in the women's game. They just haven't. So... You know, hopefully they do. I would like to see them do that so that the way the Olympics could be a little more than that. But um, I, I agree when the Team USA plays against Team Canada in the Olympics, it's more entertaining than the men. I would yeah. honest. I would think about getting a woman's jersey. 
Yeah, like absolutely. The, like a Hillary Knight USA jersey, that'd be sick. Yeah, oh yeah, and Megan Duggan works with the New Jersey Devils. Um, yeah. Now I'm trying. I'm drawing a blank on her name. That works with the Blackhawks now. Amanda, um, or is it Amanda? Ke- no, no, it's, it's not Amanda Kessel. She's associated with the her. Minnesota Wild. I could picture her right now. Um, she's blonde, right? Yeah. Uh, Schofield. Um, Kendall Coyne Schofield. Um, her husband was on the Bears for a lot of part of this season, and he was a starter on the Chargers, a good player for the Chargers for a long time before that. But, you know, I, I love these teams and wanted to give a shout-out to them in my favorite hockey story of the week. Frank, it is time that we move on to foosball and amongst other things in period number three. Frank, the college football national championship absolutely fucking sucked ass. It was one of the worst football <laughs> games I've ever sat through. You didn't think you didn't think sixty-five to seven. I don't care. No, what. but I told you it was going to be probably the biggest blowout. Okay, but and this I, and that was this was actually the biggest blowout in the history of college football blow, uh, bowl games. I almost said blow games because this was a blow game. It was a blowout. Um, it wasn't even fun. I, I there was one moment that was fun. Uh, Georgia went up 10 nothing, and then TCU <laughs> scored a touchdown to make it 10-7. I'm thinking, all right, you know, Georgia's probably going to win, but we got a game. <laughs> and then they scored fucking 55 unanswered points and just a disgusting, disgusting football game. Frank, what do you got to say about it? I don't care what you said. I told you it was going to be a blowout. And I, said, said, I didn't say you didn't say the, it was going to be a blowout. And I said it might be one of the biggest blowouts, and sure as shit, Biggest margin of victory in a bowl game ever was the headline. It's just unbelievable. 65 to 7. Georgia's defense is so good. And people are like, well, you know, Ohio State scored 40 something points against them. Okay, Ohio State's offense is on a different level than TCU's offense. They're completely two different teams. I wasn't taking that into consideration. I also said if there was a team that could beat Georgia in this playoff, it would be Ohio State, and they gave them a run for their money. So I'm not su- surprised that Georgia stomped on them. I am surprised, though. Like you said, it is 65 to 7. I didn't expect it to be like that, but I did expect at least a three score, two score game to happen for sure. I, I didn't give TCU a chance in this game. Um, it was probably the most boring national championship we'll watch that we have watched and maybe will watch in the next like decade or so. I don't know like when they expand um, how that'll go because you always have the option of like with so many teams and the same thing happens in like March Madness when you have a lot of teams is like an eight seed or a 12 seed may make it. You never know. They could make it to the the national championship. And if they were to go against the top team, they could, could get blown out, but I don't think it'll be like this. This was like, it didn't have the same feel as when we were watching it last year. Remember we watched Alabama, Georgia right here on that TV in the back. And it was like, this is an incredible game. We were like, our jaws was hitting the floor. We didn't have that this year, which kind of sucks because everybody looks forward to the national championship. It's the super bowl, super bowl of uh, college sport or college football. But, um, I, I enjoyed my time cause we were spending it with you guys though. So it was a lot of fun there. So, yeah, absolutely. A good time. So Skyler said the game itself was an argument for the expansion of the playoffs. I actually agree because someone would have taken care of TCU 
along before they got to the national championship. And TCU deserved to be in. I'm not poo-pooing that. There were people automatically tweeting about how Alabama should have been in over them. Well, Alabama shouldn't have lost two games then. Yep. You know, like the college football playoff is never the four best teams. It's the four most deserving teams. There's a difference. If it were the four best teams, it probably would have been freaking Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, Ole Miss, or Tennessee. Or USC, like, you know, the the best rosters. That's not how it goes. It's the most deserving teams. Is there a team that made that missed the playoffs this year that is better than somebody who made the playoffs this year? Probably in every sport. In every sport. You know, if you make it by a game or something. Like, were the Brewers better than the Phillies? Well, the Phillies went all the way to the Super Bowl so the, or to the World Series. So I this think is Alabama a, was better. Yes, they were. There's no doubt they were. They would have gave Georgia more of a run for their money, in my yeah. opinion. How about David Pollock sitting up there talking about how Georgia has taken over Ellis or has taken over as the best program in college football and Nick Saban staring at him like, <laughs> you fucking motherfucker. <laughs> how dare you say that to me? I also I, thought – I go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say I was like – oh, that I thought that was hilarious. I thought I heard somebody say like – um. Did the coach, did Kirby Smart say, like, oh, we won after everybody doubted us? And, like, nobody doubted you. Yeah. Like, everybody literally expected you to win. They like, might have doubted you last year in the national championship against Bama. Like, nobody doubted you. Yeah. Like, I, think, I just thought that was a stupid remark, and people were complaining about it on social media. I'm like, yeah, yeah I don't know. people are dumb. Kirby Smart is smart with football, but dumb with what he says after games. Um, Frank, during the college football playoff game, the best part of the game oh, yeah. was the Ant-Man Quantum Mania trailer. Your reactions. Oh, VP, my reaction. I probably have watched this trailer like nine or ten times since then. Maybe more. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I'm so hyped. This movie is going to be so freaking good. And... It gave me everything I wanted and more. It wasn't the full trailer you saw on TV. I had to go watch. So if you you should watch it again because there are things that you didn't see, a.k.a. <clears throat> MODOK, like I said they would. I predicted that online. And you see that in the full trailer online. Great trailer. Kang looks absolutely amazing. Jonathan Majors, great actor. Um, I think he's the perfect um, actor to play Kang. And it's just he's going to – freaking mow down as many people in this movie as possible. I think, I think we're going to get some, you know, off with their heads in this movie. Originally I thought maybe Scott Lang might bite the dust. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. He might not, but there will be some deaths in this movie that, you know, hit the heartstrings a little bit. I'm excited for it. I hope you're as excited as as I am. Um, It's going to be a really fun movie. I completely agree. I can't wait to watch it. Um, I got a couple more things to catch up on before it comes out, but I am very much looking forward to it. I thought the trailer was the best part of the college football national championship. And it's just so stinky how like it was such a bad game because it came after two instant class classics in the first round, you know, the first round of the college football playoff. Mm -hmm. So 
that sucks, but it is what it is. Frank, I don't expect the NFL playoffs to be that bad, though. We have the wild card weekend coming up this week, and you're going to have on Saturday the Seattle Seahawks are going to play the San Francisco 49ers, and the Los Angeles Chargers are going to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then on Sunday, the Buffalo Bills are going to host the My Miami pick. Dolphins and when the New York football Giants are going to take on the – um, the New York football giants are going to take on, I'm drawing a blank on who the New York football um, giants are going to take on. They're going to take on the Vikings. Oh, so Minnesota Vikings. I had that Start and I lost it. No, I had that and I lost it. I, the Vikings, I have them all written down here. The Vikings were the first team I thought of, but I said the giants first and that threw me off my game. I said the giants first because they're on the road. And then that game will be capped off at night by the Baltimore Ravens visiting the Cincinnati Bengals. And then that on man. Monday night football, the Dallas Cowboys, who haven't won a road playoff game since 1992, are going to go down to Western Florida and face off against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady, in his career, has won 35 playoff games. Dak Prescott has won one. The I don't Dallas, even think they've ever beat him. No, they. I don't think they have. And listen, Dak, and this is I want to lead off with this game. Dak, one playoff win. Tom, 35 playoff wins. Cowboys have been better than those Buccaneers this season. It hasn't even really been close. And Dallas is only a three-point favorite. I think uh, they're frauds. They are frauds. They might beat the Bucs, but I still think they're frauds. Yeah. I'm going to pick the Bucs. But the Bucs are under 500. They gave away that last game of the season. They could have won. Tom was out after the first quarter. Um, they could have beaten them in the final week of the season, Atlanta, if they wanted to to be nine and eight, but they chose to rest everyone and be ready for the postseason. They did. That game was meaningless. They were the four seed, no matter what. Um, if roles were reversed, if records were reversed, the Buccaneers would be a seven point favorite over Dallas. And they're, they're barely an underdog. I can't believe yeah. it. No, you know, I'm not high on the bucks by any means. I think they're going to get steamrolled after this victory, but they're, this Dallas Cowboys team, to me, is a fraud. They looked like it against the Commanders. Sam Howell, great college quarterback, but he was dissecting this Cowboys team in a, in a game they needed to win. You know, they were still in contention if they won and, you know, other teams lost. And you came out flat in a game like that. This just has the writing on the wall that the Buccaneers are going to wipe the floor with them. And I, I, I don't care what the line is. I don't care if the Cowboys were 10. I think the Bucs are going to win this game. It's just, no, give me the Buccaneers for sure. 100%. I, I'd be stunned, honestly. This is just typical Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys choking in a big game. They'll fire McCarthy if they lose. Yeah, they're going to lose. Or um. I know you're not going to because you're Frankie and you stick to your guns no matter what, even if things happen that start to really, you know, make it look like you're going to be wrong. Um, I, if the Bucks win, <laughs> whoever they play in the following week is going to be pissed. They are because that'll be 36 playoff wins for Tampa Bay's Tom Brady. 
Um, I know I wouldn't want to. If they have to play, if the Eagles, the Eagles could lose to the Buccaneers, dude. I don't care. I don't care what anybody says. The Buccaneers, the Buccaneers are going to the freaking NFC Championship game, and they're gonna probably lose to the San Francisco 49ers, who are my pick to win the NFC. But if they play like the Vikings or the Giants, like they're gonna lose to them. Tom, we've all seen this movie before. I warn everyone every January: don't lose your faith in Tom. It took a thirty second drive to beat Tom last year in the AFC championship game. Matthew Stafford had to freaking pull a rabbit out of his booty hole in order to get that win last year to go to the Super Bowl and they ended up winning it. So that tells you what that tells you what the Bucks would have done if they made it to the Super Bowl against the Bongos. I mean Tom Brady is the GOAT. You don't want to play him in the playoffs. I feel bad for people that overlook them. It's going to be a hilarious postseason once again watching Tom Brady go through. This time he's a true underdog going in. We've all seen this movie before. It's going to be a wonderful ninth screening of it once again. Um, I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl, but I think they're going to make a lot of people lose a lot of money over the next couple weeks, and it's going to be really, really funny. I can't wait for it. Another game, Frank, I don't know if there's one specific you wanted to talk about. Another way to make some money is to bet against – I could say it now because they. I was right. They won the division. They were the best team in the N- NFC North. I don't have to pretend to be backing them anymore. The biggest frauds in the NFL are the Minnesota Vikings. I did not think they'd win 13 games or whatever it is that they won. Um, I did think uh, the only reason I thought they were going to win the NFC North was because I thought the Packers were going to stink. Lo and behold, they did. That was a prediction I can you know be proud of. But they're going to lose to the New York football giants this weekend. I wholeheartedly think so. I don't know. That's I wholeheartedly close. think so. They're frauds too. The Giants. Are they as big of frauds as... I think every NFC team is except the 49ers, to be honest with you. So do I. But I don't know. I got. And the it's Giants. different because the AFC, I, completely different. I don't know in that game, to be honest with you. I think, I'm I, weirdly enough, the Viking hater here is going to back the Vikings. I think the Vikings may beat the Giants just because it's a home game for the Vikings. I'll give them the advantage. Um, it should be very interesting. The Ravens, Bengals, to me, that's like a silver platter of greatness. Hence why it's going to be the Sunday night football game. Of course, you're going to have Bengals, Ravens on Sunday night football. That's one of the Lamar greatest games of this postseason, huh? I just wish Lamar was playing. I, I don't think he's going to, right? He's but, not. Oh, he's not? That would make it even greater. But you still, yeah, Bill, it is the Bengals, Ravens. That's just a great, like. Back-to-back weeks of playing each other. How often do we see that in football? Very rare. I think the um, Bengals should win, obviously. Might be a little closer, though. Because it is a playoff game, different field or different feel. Harbaugh's got, you know, he knows how to coach. Um, or Harbaugh. Yeah, Harbaugh. Yeah, Harbaugh. I don't know why I was drawing a blank. Um uh yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. Dolphins and Bills, is Tua playing? No. I was gonna say the line suggests he's not playing. The Bills they're are starting like, no. a rookie. Yeah, no, Bills, they're gonna cook the Dolphins, I think so. I think a lot of these matchups are going to be pretty bad, except at the Chargers Jaguars. I like that. I think that I'd love to see the Jaguars win. I really would. I would like to see the Jaguars win Saturday night against the um, oh, Chargers. The I just, Jaguars I'm, win. I'm not confident. I don't know. 
Uh, I do think Williams not playing. It's Williams, right? Mm-hmm. He he's not playing, and that I think could work in the favor of the Jaguars. Uh, listen, we need some Doug Peterson magic, some Trevor Lawrence magic. They're the favorite to land DeAndre Hopkins in the offseason, according to FanDuel. But I just ah, I don't know. Not living up to the same hype as the Bengals did last year. They got a similar feeling though to me as the Bengals did last year. Bengals going to the playoffs. They haven't won a playoff game in how many years since text messaging was in whatever invented. And like they did and they made a run to the Super Bowl. And now by any means do I not I don't think the Jaguars are gonna make a run to a Super Bowl, but it's got that same feeling that like a lot of people are doubting them because of their lack of playoff appearances lately and how bad they've been. And that was similarly with the Bengals. Now Joe Burrow is obviously and the whole team is more talented than the Jaguars are and Trevor Lawrence, but I think Trevor Lawrence is a great quarterback and he could definitely turn this game in the Jaguars' favor. I truly believe that. I believe it too. The Jaguars have a lot better playoff history recently than the Bengals outside of last year. The Jaguars were in the AFC championship game and had a second half lead over Tom Brady and the New England Patriots in the 2017-18 season. And the boat, Blake Bortles, the best of all time. That's his nickname. Um, I just, I remember that game and I was worried about the Jaguars that year. I'm, you know, I cover the Jaguars now, but I'm not rooting for them over Tom by any means ever. Um, but you know, now go Jaguars against the chargers and they gave them like one of the two primetime or one of the three primetime games this weekend. That's nice. You know, they, they view that as probably the second biggest game, uh, probably the third biggest. I would say they probably rank it Sunday night, Monday night, Saturday night, but you know, because Monday Night Football, Dallas Cowboys, like mm-hmm. that's probably second to Bengals Ravens. Mm-hmm. Even though I think personally, I think the Bengals are going to shit on the Ravens. If Lamar was playing, that game be so. Good. No, if Lamar was playing, it's a different story. I, I've <laughs> I've always been on so the good. Lamar train. Lamar's a top six quarterback. I probably would put him at six. You know, MVP caliber player. Without him, the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, yeah, fine. They're good. They're pretty good. They couldn't even beat the Steelers. Yeah, well, the Steelers, they they did their job at, in the final week of the season. Yeah. But, you know, the Dolphins had a weird win over the Jets, and that put them in the postseason. The Steelers were close, though. Tomlin over 500 again. Yep. Um, How many is that in a row now? I believe it's like 15. I don't 11. think he's never had a losing season. No, no. He went 8-8 eight and eight one year, I think, and that's why they can't say he's only ever had winning seasons. But – it's mostly been winning in Pittsburgh since uh it's crazy since Mike Tomlin's come to town like people who want to fire him that cracks me up no they can't I love Mike Tomlin he's one of my he's probably my favorite coach in the league to be honest with you yeah I agree and Pete Carroll Seahawks never missed the playoffs twice in a row they snuck in by virtue of winning their final game of the season Gino was hot he was hot he kind of faltered second half he was hot early on weren't they like six and oh yeah you know I have a big five the Bengals, Chiefs, Bills, Eagles, 49ers. If one of those five teams were to get stunned by an opponent in their first game, it would be the 49ers. Even though I no, I think the 49ers are the best team in the NFC. Out of all the stuns you would choose. The only reason is because I think it's impossible for the Bills to lose to the Dolphins. Uh-huh. I think it's impossible for the Bengals to lose to a Lamarless Ravens or those Bengals. I guess the other two are on the bye. 
and the other two are on the bottom. Yeah, yeah, so you're right. I so guess. and and the Seahawks 49ers is a wonderful rivalry. I can't wait. 3:30 Saturday. Let's go. Literally can't wait. And the biggest rivalry on the West Coast probably playing each other in the first round and Pete Carroll and Kyle Shanahan is an outstanding postseason coaching matchup. I, I, I just listen, I think the 49ers are gonna win. I think they're gonna win by multiple scores. I just wouldn't take them lightly if I were Brock Purdy in the San Francisco 49ers. But Brock Purdy, he's been fantastic lately too. He's been Purdy. There's no doubt about it. But yep. how far how far can like a rookie quarterback, you know, a rookie quarterback has never in the history of the NFL um gotten to the Super Bowl. Wow. They've never led their team to the Super Bowl in the history of the oh, NFL. What are they basing that on? Do they have to like start the whole season or you just what if you like played them the game before? I don't know cuz I don't know what Tom how Tom Brady would qualify in 01. He must have backed up Bledsoe and not been considered a rookie. Um I know Mitch certainly wasn't considered a rookie when he if they would have made it to the Super Bowl that year, the double doink year. I don't think he would have counted because he was the Mike Glenn, uh, Mike Glennon's backup the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin Fields wasn't a rookie this year. A lot of times quarterbacks, it's very rare. Quarterback plays like a whole season as a rookie. Who did that? Joe Burrow? And he got hurt in week 11. Missed Trevor the rest of Lawrence that season. Did, didn't he? Trevor Lawrence did. Yeah. Um, it's very. Mac Jones. Mac did Jones Deshaun did. Watson when he played? Deshaun Watson totally yeah. did when he played. You're right. Um, Baker? Baker, yeah. Did he? I'm pretty sure Baker did. All these guys either stunk or, you know, got bounced pretty early if they made it to the postseason. So that'd be something. We'll see what happens with Brock Purdy and my pick to go to the Super Bowl as well. They are mine too. They are mine too. I have, I think going into the playoffs, if you want to make picks for the Super Bowl, like we'll make picks every week. Oh, yeah. But, um, my early Super Bowl pick is definitely, I think, the Chiefs are going to play the 49ers in a Super Bowl rematch of two years ago. I'm going Bills 49ers. Okay. Do you want to pick each game really quickly? I'll do it quickly. All right, go ahead. I think on Saturday the um, 49ers are going to beat the Seahawks. Mm -hmm. The Chargers are going to beat the Jaguars. Then on Sunday I think the Bills are going to beat the Dolphins by 55. (laughs) <laughs> um, 65 to 7 <laughs> 65 to 7 just like that disgusting national championship <laughs> game the best part about it was the Ant-Man trailer um, the middle game I think the New York football giants are going to upset the Minnesota Vikings and at night I think the Cincinnati Bengals are going to beat the um, Baltimore Ravens um, I'd probably flip a coin if Lamar Jackson was playing I do think highly of the Ravens when he's playing but I think the world of Joe Burrow so I still probably would end up leaning Bengals um, and then Monday night, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to upset the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going with all the home teams. Wow. 49ers, Jaguars, Bills, Vikings, Bengals, Bucks. So and, we that's just... not, and that's not all the favorites. No, it's not all the favorites. But I'm going all the home team. So we only disagreed on two. We disagreed on the uh, Giants game and the Chargers game, right? Yeah. Listen, so you think Chargers Giants, right? Yeah, are the I Jags hope, a favorite or what? I Let's think go, they're dogs. I gotta look this up really quick. I think the Jags are dogs, or as my guy McAfee check. would say, dogs. Um, 
I don't know. Um, I want the Jacks to win. I do too. Um, the more Jaguars content I get out of their season, the better. Yep. What? Jaguars are dogs, so I'm going with the two dogs. I'm going to the, the all the home teams. I think uh, I think they're gonna win. Yeah, I think I picked I picked two dogs too: the Giants and the Bucks. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there, but that's the NFL, Frank. A little LOL coming out of the MLB. Yeah. <laughs> Carlos Correa signed with his third team, third time's the charm. It actually got done. The physical is passed. The team announced it. Um, that's hilarious. It's, it's uh, like, Skyler says, actually, Vinny, the Jags are cats, not dogs. I actually think that's pretty funny. That is pretty funny. <laughs> the fact that he thought of it. Yeah. That quick. Um, yeah. So he's going. Yeah. You're lagging a little bit. Are you good? You're lagging too on my own. Frank? Hello? Yeah, so I wonder who's actually lagging because to me, to me, it's you and to you, it's me. But this damn technology. I will say that Carlos Correa playing in the Minnesota Twins is kind of annoying. (laughs) Having some technical difficulties here again with Frankie. I don't know if Frankie's here or not, but I am. Um, it seems to me. I just everything's you're here. Lagging. Yeah, everything's lagging. You're oh, lagging. I think I think we're delay. back. You're on delay, though. Yeah, it, it shows you on delay for me, too. Skylar says he sees both of us. But as you say, technology has us by the bowels. Um, what I was saying was Carlos Correa. Uh, Minnesota Twins, that sucks. That honestly sucks so bad. He's coming back to play with the Twins. I got to deal with him in the AL Central again. It would have been nice having him over in the Mets. But um, Skyler says, what's going on with this dude? He got the buzzer implanted in his leg or something. I, Yeah, he something's wrong with his ankle that the Giants and the uh, Mets didn't love seeing. But he ended up signing with the Vikings. He passed the physical with them. They do have issues with his you know ankle but they're willing to look past it he lost 115 million throughout this whole process it was a 350 million dollar contract with the um giants and now it's all the way down to like 230 with the vike or with the um twins so he's coming back to the midwest he'll play with the vikings wearing their sick new uniforms that they have i think the viking or the that's the second time i've done that the twins are one of the better dressed teams in the american league now um, but yeah, we will get to all that tomorrow on Crosstown Crosstalk at 2 p.m. Very much looking forward to that. Plenty of Carlos Correa chatter. I'm hoping to have a Minnesota Twins uh, expert on to speak about it with me. But Frank, what are you watching this weekend? Um, we started this show. It just aired called Special Forces World's Toughest Test. It's a Fox show. I believe it's on Fox. And it was very, it's a very interesting show taking 16 celebrities, um, which Vin, you would be well aware of a few of them, Mike Piazza, uh, Dwight Howard, and, you know, a whole bunch of other Melby, other celebrities who are taking part of this. And it's a 10 day challenge um, type of reality show t- uh, type thing where they're like basically in the military competing in like military challenges and like these military guys are treating them just as if they were 
you know, joining the military. They're just because they're celebrity, there's no hold barred. So it's it's a very interesting show and it like makes you appreciative of what the military does for your country. And um it's very it's a very good show and I, I recommend anybody to watch it if they haven't gotten to watching it already. But uh Skylar says, Oh, I've been wanting to see that show. Yeah, it's a fantastic show. Truly, it's like they put these guys through some shit, and it's like wow. So that was very interesting. We just watched the season premiere. It just happened. Premiered two hours. Um, it's been a lot of fun, though. I, I really enjoyed that show. So instead of saying, like, the chalk answers, I thought I'd throw uh, something new that I've been watching. Yeah, for sure. For me, I finished Wednesday. Wednesday was unbelievable. I actually really, really liked Wednesday. Um, and then I watched Kaleidoscope, the show that you are supposed to watch in any order. You're supposed to randomly pick your episodes as long as white is the last episode that you watch. Um, I think the show's phenomenal and everybody gets a different experience out of the show because you're supposed to watch it in a completely random order. Netflix randomizes it for you. Um, I took their random order and randomized it even more myself and went in multiple different orders myself. I wrote down the orders in which I watched it. And I'll tell you what, it's a really, really good show. Your interpretation of certain characters would be different than my interpretation of different characters because of the orders that we watched it. Um, I highly recommend it. It's one or two on Netflix right now. I think that Georgia show passed um, kaleidoscope in the number one spot right now because a new season just dropped or something like that i keep up with my netflix hype using <laughs> fan sided's netflix life page um but yeah really good shows on netflix i've enjoyed um got football playoffs coming up so the sundays are going to be monitoring what's going on in the nfl looking forward to that got lots of devils coverage coming up for everybody this weekend as well as they play i got a pregame on um friday night i will not be in attendance for the pregame on saturday because i'm going to the chicago symphony to watch harry potter and the sorcerer's stone on a big screen and a live production of the john williams music will be playing along to the movie i think that's very very you know awesome thank you to katie for getting me those tickets for christmas very much looking forward to going on that adventure and seeing that live in person so that's what i'll be watching this weekend harry potter and the sorcerer's stone with live music and plenty of foosball and hockey. Oh, you beat me. What do you mean? You're you're watching a lot more exciting things this weekend. Yeah, I mean the one thing. That's Everything big, else though. is yeah, it's big. big it's though. it's gonna be cool. We'll go see a Star Wars one together sometime. That'd soon. be that'd be yeah, sick. Because Star Wars has just Star Wars and Harry Potter. I mean, John Williams does both of them in addition to Home Alone. And those have some of the best music of, you know, the movies that we like. So looking forward to seeing that on Saturday. Frank, I think it is time for America's favorite podcast segment of the week. Breaking Bets. This is my own private domicile, bitch. The floor is yours. We're always looking to make things better on the show. So as I told you, we're going to start keeping track of my picks. So I have a little graphic I'm going to show up every week um, with my win-loss records. We went 2-1 and one last week. And then it'll have our statistics on the bottom on all time for each sport, what was won, what was lost. So we're always looking at ways to improve things on the show. So I, I like this a lot, actually. 
Um, so if people tune in, they'll know, like, maybe they want to fade me in the NHL because it's a very hard sport to predict, or, you know, maybe they want to fall in the NBA, whatever it is. We got this, and I'm very excited to, to debut this for the first time today. On to the picks, though. People don't care about the little graphics we throw up. People care about the picks, VP. I got three picks for you today. Two are college basketball, and one is an NHL pick. But I kind of want to throw out, like, one on the fly. You should, whatever it is, I don't know what it is. I'll count this, though. It'll go towards my win-loss record, whatever it is. Take the Buccaneers and the points on Sunday. I don't know what the line is. You said it was three. I haven't looked into it yet because normally you look at those things like closer to game time. But whatever it is, take the bucks and the points. Don't fall into the bookies trap. Yeah, the Yale Cowboys are 11 and four, or whatever. No. Take the Buccaneers and the points on Sunday. But now into the picks. Thank you, Skyler. I appreciate that. First pick. What a blockbuster of a college basketball matchup. If you're a fan of college basketball, this is on your watching list for tonight. Number four, Alabama is traveling to number 15, Arkansas. Two March Madness teams. What a blockbuster matchup just to have on a random Wednesday night. I'm loving Arkansas money line. Arkansas is coming off a bad 13-point loss to Auburn, which Auburn's a great team. They're ranked two. I believe they're 22nd. So not, nothing bad about Auburn, but you got dominated by this Auburn team. Now you're coming home to your home floor against the number fourth team in the country, Alabama. I think Arkansas wins. I love Arkansas money line. It's a pick them. It's minus 117. This is the value. This is where you got to gobble up the value here is on the Arkansas money line at home. Take the home team. It's going to be a great game. I'm looking forward to it. Definitely be on the TV for sure. Um, so, yeah, that's my first pick. My second pick, Creighton at number 12, Xavier. This is an interesting one. Creighton came out as one of the worst teams in college basketball, but they're very talented. They've swung it in their favor these past few games. They're finally getting uh, healthy. They got Kalkbrenner back. He was out for a majority of their season, and now they're getting healthy. They're only two-and-a-half-point dogs on the road. I like the plus two-and-a-half here against the 12th-ranked Xavier team. I do think Creighton's better than what the record says just because they weren't healthy for the whole season, and now they're finally getting there. They do have the talent to keep this within one basket. Hopefully that one basket's within two and not three. So take Creighton plus two and a half at minus 110. I love that pick, truly. And uh, I switch over to the NHL now. Go to the NHL. Nothing really I liked, but I found something. Washington Capitals are going to Philadelphia to play the Philadelphia Flyers. Flyers have won four of their last five. They've been cooking. Dominant win against Buffalo. They went into Buffalo and won four nothing. That was impressive from the Philadelphia Flyers. A little sketchy to take them on the money line, but I do like them plus a goal and a half. Minus 165 is a little high. If you're feeling a little frisky, you could throw it on the money line, right? But I'm feeling do the safer thing and take the one and a half here because the Capitals can do Capitals things. Ovechkin may get a hat trick, and you just never know. But the Flyers at home, plus a goal and a half. I like it, minus 165. I like the way they're playing right now. They're a very hot team in the NHL right now. They suck, but they're hot right now. So I like them plus one and a half and minus 165. So those will be my three picks today with the bonus Bucks pick on Sunday. Take the Bucks and the points, whatever it is. Now, if news comes out and Tom Brady's not playing and something weird happened, then no, don't take the Bucks. Keep an eye on it. But if it's relatively the same or you got some good value, everybody's playing, take the Bucks and the points on Sunday night as my bonus pick. There you go. There's Frankie's 
breaking bets. Two and one last week, eh? It's not bad. The only what one was I the lost. NHL game you picked? I had the. It was. See, I had my research all wrong. I didn't expect Elliot to play for the Lightning in back-to-back games. He played the one game. He played Tuesday. Then he also played Wednesday, which I was a little shocked. I don't know if Vasilevsky was injured or ill or whatever happened. I was not expecting him to play. I had the Wild scoring less than three goals, and they just lit up Elliot. And if I honestly would have known he was playing back-to-back, that's a little bit different, a goaltender playing back-to-back. It's different than the team playing back-to-back. But, no, if Vasilevsky was in that game, I I don't think they would have gotten three. Because he hasn't let up. He's only let up four like twice this year or so. So it's like, wow. I mean, I, I totally got shit on in that game. They like lit up Elliot for five. I didn't realize he was playing, but a loss is a loss. But I'll take my two and one record. If I could finish like 58% or 60% or better, that's really good. I'm shooting Absolutely. for buffs. I'm I'm shooting for 60% by the end of 2023. People like make millions being 60%. It's tough. It's tough. Some of the best in the world don't even get to 60%. So the two and one start, good start to start off 2023, but I like this new keeping track of it. It, It'll, it'll grow too. the different sports we have next week. There'll be an NFL one on there for my pick. Frankie's going to be at 40% in August. He's going to be like, I'm done with this graphic. (laughs) Fuck this graphic. (laughs) He's going to want to get rid of breaking bet segment altogether because he's not going to be able to afford fucking sitting in his basement. Um, Just kidding. You're going to win every game. Positive vibes only. It's just money. Skyler likes it, VP. No, he loves it. (laughs) He loves it. Um, Yeah, that's that's intense. But I'm I'm excited about what's going on in the NHL. There's a lot of greatness coming up. there, there's some good things going on, and I love that f- the football playoffs are here. Uh, they say the NFL season is like a big sandwich, and you know that big sandwich has pretty good flavor early on in the sandwich, but they put the best ingredients right at the end. And when your sandwich is gone, you're kind of sad. Like I'm not getting another sandwich till October or till August, and it's not going to taste as good. You know, early on in this, you know, portion of the sandwich, it to gets tastier and tastier every day. But we have that big, flavorful piece of the sandwich yep. coming right up here, and it's going to be delicious. Mm-hmm. I'm very much looking forward to it. I can't thank everybody enough in the chat for uh, joining our show. Frank, did you see Dan and Aldo bare their souls? Is just now bare their souls. It's a whole different thing. They switched it up right after we talked about it, and they had their serious? debut episode last night. So everybody needs to go make sure that they watch the called? debut episode of Bare Their Souls. Oh, and bare their souls? yeah. And I think I haven't watched it in full yet, but I'm excited to see what kind of differences they made to the show. Um, I love what they bring to talking football and talking sports in general. Um, the Bears work is or the Bears season is over. So, you know, follow them for the offseason. Follow what's going on with me at the Windy City. The Windy City. I told you the Windy City was almost dead mm-hmm. in the last week. It's been the hottest site I'm a part of. I, I f- figured you were sniffing some sort of glue. And the Chicago Bears getting the number one overall pick in the draft. Um, What's your Jaguars? You know, uh, it's black about? and teal. 
Black and Teal. And, of course, you can follow my freshly new Jacksonville Jaguars coverage at blackandteal.com. Very much looking forward to what we got cooking with that with the playoffs coming up and then right when their season comes to an end. Uh, hopefully it's not on Saturday night, but it very well could be against the Los Angeles Chargers. We're diving right into the offseason. FanDuel has them as the number one favorites to land a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. So you certainly think they're going to try to make another big move like that at some point during their offseason depending on when their offseason actually begins. But all of the uh, hockey work at puckpros.com and pucksandpitchforks.com, Jack Hughes is an absolute super stud. Um, And then Southside Showdown for all my Chicago White Sox stuff. And I haven't forgotten about the Cub fans. They can read plenty of things at thewindycity.com in addition to Blackhawks and Bears coverage. And then Frankie's over at apptrigger.com talking about all the video game news. Um, Saw some stuff about controllers earlier today that I got to read into and, you know, finish reading all my articles for the day. Very much looking forward to it. My next article is going to be one you're really interested in. I'm pumped. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, all the great shows at the Barroom Network. Tomorrow, Crosstown Crosstalk at 2 p.m., Mike North is doing his thing with his show and i got a shout out from mike north on twitter today thank you mike north um very much looking forward to all the great shows at the barroom network science fiction i'm sure is going to go over the ant-man quantumania trailer and then when the movie comes out it's going to be a must-see tv episode of science fiction and then with football draft coverage coming up uh I believe there's some big things. I'm, I don't know if I'm allowed to hint at what. They talked about it on one of the episodes of Bear Their Souls, but I don't know if they made a formal announcement yet, so I'll hold it off. But there's some big things coming with the Barroom Network with draft coverage coming up. So if you want to learn about you know potential picks that the Bears could take if they trade down or if they stay with the number one overall pick, or you know there are all sorts of different options out there, and I think you have a chance to improve your football acumen here at the Barroom Network and by reading fansided.com. I can't thank everybody enough for tuning in. For Frankie Mueller on Twitter, at the King Bean. my name is Vinny Parisi. That's our show. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you.